coming up in this episode. I started on this um, search for a manufacturer. Now, mm. that is not easy <laughs> at all. Um, I had great ambitions of getting them made in England, and I wanted a British brand. I just couldn't do it. I kept trying, right. kept trying. And then, I, and then basically I could find someone maybe to make the frame, but I couldn't get the bag sorted. And then I'd have to get, I'd still have to get a load of stuff shipped over from abroad for materials to get put together. I'd have been doing so much juggling to try and bring it together. There was way too many moving parts in the process that, you know, one bit goes wrong, the whole business is stuck. You're refining your pitch. If you're going to do all that effort to just get no, 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 because you have no traction, which is the case yep. for so many people, then direct that towards your, your customers and you will get sales and then you will have traction and get some money. And in fact, you might end up finding that you don't need investors yeah, if you're yeah. able to build a really successful funnel. Are we, are we on now? We started now, have we? Have you just tricked me into a nice soft start? We, we started when you joined, mate. Oh, <laughs> did you? No, <laughs> I told you, that's all going in. That's, to my that's... uselessness at the beginning is, is uh, for prosperity. It's part of the authenticity. Um, the Founders Unplugged podcast, hosted by Greg McCallum. Raw, unedited conversations with entrepreneurs and startup founders. It's right, just how it was before when you turned them off. It's, um, I know it's maybe not ideal, but I can hear you. You could hear me. All right. Does my fan sound loud on your side? No, not really. Oh, so that works. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm yeah. That's about not... fan noise coming through because my computer seems to be working hard on this. I've never normally had an issue before. No, no, it's no, it's not too bad. I can't really hear. Google's quite good. It's got uh, sort of noise, background noise cancelling right. stuff in, involved. So you know, it's pretty decent for stuff like that. Um, so, is that, does that so that works from your perspective? That works fine. That works fine. Yeah, don't worry about don't it. Worry about that. I don't yeah. know why that's. I've never had that before, but that's. See, um... I... I've had those sort of headphones, but I've still got them. And yeah, for meetings, they've been quite temperamental. I think it's just oh, Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's why I go with these these bad boys here, because it's just right. big, chunky ones. They tend to do the job. But well, uh, as long as you're happy with this connection, then I'm Yeah, fine. yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. Not to worry. Not to worry. How are you? Very good. Yeah. Um, are we, are we on, are we? We started now, have we? Have you just tricked me into a nice soft start? We, we started when you joined, mate. Oh, <laughs> did you? Not? <laughs> I told you, that's all going in. That's, to that's... My uselessness at the beginning is, is uh, for prosperity. Oh, it's part good. of the authenticity. Um, you know. it's, um, yeah, it's been, I mean, obviously, as everyone struggles, it's the school juggle and kids yep. off and trying to work. And then you're, you're working, but not really looking after the kids and not really working. And no one's mm. really winning in that situation. And then you have the dreams of, you know, kids going back to school and everything being great. And of course, schools go back. My nine-year-old goes straight into school, throws up, gets sent home for two days because obviously oh, you can't be in. And then my daughter ends up on crutches and, uh, you yeah. know, oh, she strained herself. But I mean, she, she's fine. I mean, it's no, yeah, yeah. you're just like, it's literally the moment they went back to school and all that. I mean, that's just. And that's straight back home. Yeah. 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 And how's yours? Yeah, same same sort of thing. Uh, well, I mean, without the, the the injuries and coming back home, obviously. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer holidays is always a bit of a challenge. It's fun, you know. Don't get me wrong; it's definitely yeah. fun, um, but it's uh, not without its challenges. Perks for working from home, though, right? You know, you can unplug a little bit every now and then and just say, you know what, I'm going to have half an hour or you know whatever, and that that's quite good. Um, but uh, it's been a struggle, yeah, to concentrate 
<laughs> get work done. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, we'll get there. That's why I've been working on on the outhouse to to convert that into an office because uh, I can't do that again for another summer. It's just not nice. Going. It's not Your own space, man cave. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I had before because we had an office upstairs, which is now my son's bedroom. Um, but of course, he got older and he needed a bigger room. And then we also needed the smaller room that he was in as the nursery for for, yeah. for the newborn. So, so no office. So now I'm in the living room, which of course is you know is the hub of the household. So uh, you know when the kids are around, that's uh, that you know I mean they're fairly good. You know when I'm recording like something like this, for example, then then my wife will you know take get them out of the way. He'll go on the PlayStation or whatever. So you know, <laughs> thank God for the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, a screen is sometimes exceptionally handy. Yes, sometimes. Well, if, especially if he's doing something which I consider constructive, because I don't, I don't, I don't have a negative view of video games. You know, I play video games to to unwind myself. And there are some video games I find are acceptable. There, there are certain types which are just, you know, brain dead, right? Brain dead playing. Yeah. But when there's tactics involved and teamwork involved and communication and you know all this sort of stuff, I'm yeah. like, you know what? Go for it. Like you're learning a good skill there. You know. So I'm mean, uh, sort of with you on this. I'm not really a gamer. Um, mm. In that sort of sense, I mean, I used to obviously back in the day. I crashed Bandicoot. I loved it, and I also oh, yes. my, my ZX uh, 48K Spectrum back in the day. Oh, but, classic! Um, I did dive in. I do have a slight claim, claim to fame, right? Myself, I think anyway. So my family all went away to my wife is South African, and she went off to South Africa, and the kids went off to South Africa with us. So I had like two weeks at home by myself, and like get in. I'm going to go and buy myself a PlayStation or whatever it was. So yeah, the moment they'd taken off, I went down to Dixon's or Curry's or whatever it is, bought myself a game station, PlayStation thing. And it was when Call of Duty Modern Warfare had come out. Yeah, yeah. I got that with it. And I <laughs> plugged it all in, sat down in front of the TV. I brought the, the chair, big comfy chair right in front of the screen. And then I um, you know, basically got myself set up. Yeah, yeah. 24 hours later, I have finished Modern Duty Call of Warfare in terms of getting from one end to the other. Modern Duty been, Call of Warfare, that, that's beautiful. I haven't set. done every single task, but I got from one yeah, end yeah. of the game to the other. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like flickery eyes and couldn't sleep <laughs> afterwards. I was like, oh my God, what have I done to myself? Yeah, I yeah. Coming out of my bedroom down into the lounge and looking at the lounge, I don't know how. But for me, being sat in one chair and not moving for 24 hours, it was like the epicenter of a bomb had gone off and <laughs> all the way around. And I was, I was just, I was horrified with myself. And yeah. so I sold the game station to my friend Rich, who and basically who knocked 50 quid off the sale price and called it his idiot tax. <laughs> I was like, why have I done that? I could have learned another song on my instrument, or I could have read a book, yeah. and yeah, I just. I completely and utterly put myself off. But the thing is, though, you know, I wouldn't beat yourself up about that because if it's it's an immersive story, right? Yeah. And it just so happens to be quite a long one. And yes, maybe you could have broken it up into pieces and played it. But <laughs> but like the point is, you were you were you were engaged, and it was a story. And and you know, in the same way that you'd read a book and you were taken away, or a movie you were taken away, it's just the difference is it's you're participating in it. That's yep. the only difference, right? I mean, you get so, a sort of taste of my personality and. And sort of because if I'm going to do something, I'm in. Right, right, right. Um, like, you know, a little so, bit of an addictive personality. I find yeah. that's quite a common theme with founders, actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Be, doesn't it really? Because mm -hmm. you've got something you need to do, and you need to be highly motivated, right, to get 
to where you want to go to. Yeah. So mm. from that sort of sense, I mean, I, yeah, I totally get that actually. That's why actually some um, ex addicts can uh, have made incredibly good uh, uh, entrepreneurs in the past right. if they if they managed to stay clean. There's a there's a there's quite a few that have managed to become very successful business people as a result because they have that mindset of just fixating on something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, having that as a replacement for you know, and all the adrenaline associated with it um, as a replacement for for a substance is also a very healthy thing because then nice. it gives them a new focus. But yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you what? do you go down a rabbit hole and you focus on that rabbit yeah. hole and you're planning all the time what can come in, what can go out, where where's the business stand, how do you evolve? You're What's next? Up. Yeah, yeah. When, when can I get my next fix? You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want more. Oh, this is getting a bit boring. What what's the the next thing? You know, yeah. what what else can I break so I can fix it? You know, it's like that. Yeah. But yeah, well, what what yeah, well, one hell of a, a twist and turn at the beginning there. That's uh that's a good way to start, I think. Um Listen, I, I, I have very little structure in this show, <laughs> as you probably guessed already. <laughs> um, but there is one thing that I like to do with everyone at the beginning or some at some point in the beginning, if possible, which is just to ask them to introduce themselves to whoever's listening and watching and just explain a bit about the business. So it's kind of like you're, you know, you're, the spotlight's on you for a, for a bit. Well, it's on you throughout the whole episode, really. But but uh, to, just to, yeah, just to take us on a journey. Tell us uh, okay. who, uh, who is Paul Mark? I mean, how far back do you want me to go? As far back as, you're, as you want or as you feel is relevant. I mean, I mean uh, maybe I not quite at conception. That might be a little bit too far back. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the yeah, weeks so after. Were, yeah, 50 years ago, <laughs> my mum and I got together. No. Um, so, um, my, na my, my name is Paul Marchant. I am the founder of Strolly. Um, so, well, so, I am I'm, I'm born, I'm from the Yorkshire Dales, basically. I grew in a place, up in a place called Ilkley. Um, that's where my sort of formative years were spent. Um, Yep, still have right fine. Yeah, there's my uh, my my uh, LinkedIn page. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm, my name is Paul Marchant. I grew up in a town called Ilkley. So I, and I now live in London. So I have a um, a firm appreciation of country and city. I think that is a way to put it. Mm. Um, I um, have basically from since education, I have always been in advertising and marketing. Um, I sort of cut my wings there in that career, and then I have my own advertising agency from about 2002 down in Soho. And I ran that for 16 to 18 years or so. Um, that then went a little bit wrong. We lost a couple of large clients and it was just difficult times. Brexit had come, people had pulled budget. Um, like Things like Piaggio went and pulled their marketing budget and put it into Italy. Um, Samsung moved their stuff over to, um, I think it was Amsterdam. And things were just changed very rapidly. Right. And I ended up at that point with a decision to make in reality. Um, it's sort of turning to shit. What do I do? How do I get this sorted again? And I, you face this things through business all the time. And we had 2008, had to pull it together again. But because I'd been in advertising and marketing all my life and run my own agency, it was either at that point I have to, you know, rebuild the business, which is fine, or... Is this my opportunity to get out of that business and do something else? Because I've done that for 25 years. Um, and so I decided, because there are certain things I've wanted to do, and there are certain things that I've sort of, I've worked in the abstract in advertising and marketing for 25 years. I really like the idea of a physical product. There were certain things that were going through my head. So I came out of that, ended up sort of, a bit lost for a year, like thinking, what am I going to do? What do I want to do? And rather than 
how to say it. so some people they they when they have their business idea and they want to crack on with it they 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 have a problem that they 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 they're dealing with and then they find a solution to that problem and they go oh that's what my business is going to be and they sort of go forwards i came at it from a very different perspective i was like well i want a business but i don't know what that business is um so my i gave myself three parameters one was um it had to be a physical product board of working in the abstract um i wanted a relationship with a consumer and me so they purchase what i've got i give it to them and and they pay um because that and that was born out of being bored of waiting for 120 days for clients to pay me it just wound <laughs> me up yeah. uh, and then the third part of it was i wanted to at some level do something good for the planet and it had to be scalable so those are the things that are in my mind so i'm sort of walking going around and i'm also at this point i picked myself up a consultancy job because obviously you have to keep the wolf from the door and you need mm -hmm. to um uh you know bring money in to get something to go forward um so while i was doing this i am also been doing um sales consultancy and building a distribution channel for an oak frame building manufacturer and he wanted to develop a new channel that goes into builders merchants so i basically built a distribution chain over the last two years for a oak frame builders building manufacturer in builders merchants and i've got coverage um, nationally for them so that while that was going on i was also doing this and then and i had loads of different sort of things going on like i got the um i got the rights to be a dist uh, the distribution rights for an american children's bike brand and i was sort of thinking so I mean, there's lots of different things floating around and I'm trying to join the dots about what works for me. Mm. And then I had a, suppose people will call it a eureka moment. I suppose it's a eureka moment. Don't yeah, yeah. Over the top of this one. But I was in Paris and I was kept getting in this, going in the station to come back to London. And your brain takes things in, everything it takes it in, takes it in. But sometimes you're not consciously aware of what you've taken in. Mm. Um, so that's sort of happening and I get on the train in Paris and I come out at King's Cross and then I stood outside the station having a cigarette, which isn't particularly healthy of me, but I'm having a cigarette. And then I see an old woman who's pulling a shopping trolley. And then it sort of dawned on me that in Paris, I'd seen a young woman pulling a shopping trolley. And I had this sort of like, hang on, what's going on there? There's a young woman there and there's an old woman there. And then as I was moving, I saw another person pulling a shopping trolley. It was more sort of middle-aged. I'm just like, oh, I like that was it it was just that i like i like whatever that is I, there's something there for me in that it was a product it's a, with a person you've got the whole and that's what sent me down a rabbit hole um and what's brought me to today because then i start looking at the market is it a viable market can i do it is there money to be made and you know it's but all the sort of bits you go through hmm. it turns out it's a completely overlooked sector so the subsector of shopping trolleys, which is what Strolly is all about at the moment. So we shall um, uh, fully recycled shopping trolleys. That's that's where we are. And that's a subsector. So there has been um, a 33 percent growth in the shopping trolley market in terms of Google searches in the UK since 2019. So say there was like sort of seven hundred and seven, eight hundred thousand Google searches in 2019. There are now 1.2 million Google searches per year for shopping trolleys in the UK. There is a market, yet there is no go-to brand. They're completely overlooked. Generally, they're just sort of poorly made tat. So we are making a better quality product from recycled and sustainable materials. 
uh, and that is the start of Strolly. But we're not generally about the shopping trolley. What we want to expand into is the um, bigger shopping bag sector. And again, that is growing year on year. Again, there is no go-to brand. When people think of um, a shopping bag, you just think of a bag for life with mm. a Tesco's logo on it. In reality, I'm pretty certain you could name a rucksack brand. I'm pretty certain you could name a luggage brand, but can you name a shopping bag brand? Mm. No. Nah. So that is what Strolly will be the answer to. And as consumers and retailers are pulling back from the sort of, you know, plastic and stuff, you're seeing it with Aldi. They don't give away bags at the point of counter. They, but that's because it's just harder for their business and it impacts on their profit margin. But consumers and retailers will pull back from plastic. And there has to be an answer to that. Mm. And I want Strolly to be, back, be that brand. And on a personal gripe level, you see a lot of supermarkets, I think it's Tesco's, Waitrose, I'm not shaming on this, I don't mean it like that, but they go, we've not, we're not selling any bags for life anymore, or not bags for life, single-use plastics. Well, well done, that's congratulations, that's really good news. However, if you need, but when you do, they're just selling bags for life and heavy-duty plastic now. Mm. Those, those 1.5 billion bags for life sold in the UK back in 2020. I mean, that's just ridiculous. They're more intensive to make, they take longer to want. Well, nothing really breaks down properly, but they take a donkey's ages to break down, and mm. then yeah, more intensive labor, energy intensive to make. So it's not really a solution, and that's where Strolly's going to come in. So and of course, the, the 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 cost of that's being passed on to the consumer. Yeah, it is. So, um, and I think the average bag for life is used four times. Not a bag for life in my book. Um, so that's that's what we want to be, and that's what we want to solve. And um, right. So we, we have, um, so we launched at the begin end of 2019. No, hang on, where are we? Not 2019. A loose COVID throws me, and I'm still in this yeah. time. Like, what we year? All lost, we all lost a year, didn't we? We launched 20, beginning 21, end of 2020. So, right. last year, no, hang on, no, end of 21. That's it. We launched at the end of 21, right. beginning of 22. Last year was basically just getting our product into market with bugger all marketing and just proving that the product is like that the quality is right and we know that now by the lack of returns because i can't go out there and say hello investors can i have a load of cash sell loads of product and then get them all sent back because they're rubbish mm. so mm. i've had to prove that the quality is right also that people actually like them and i've done that mm. i've now have a basic, basic proof of concept and now i'm on this journey on my fundraising journey i'll come on to that later because that's, yeah. uh, <laughs> that's, been, that's been a learning curve so that's a bit about me and um you know what i'm up to in business really mm. um, yeah well thanks for that and and you know ha having gone through that process i mean like you said you knew it wanted to be a product you knew it wanted to have uh, some sort of positive impact on the you know as, as far as the planet's concerned and you knew you wanted to have a relationship with the consumer were those three things as simple or as easy as you maybe initially thought well the idea of coming up with those three parameters was really easy um, yeah yeah yeah, yeah in but in terms of, of executing those things yeah, in terms of especially the product side of things right yeah so the execute i mean so, so one i mean it could have taken me until now to find what that idea would be i just right. you just have to have, be open to what's what's around you and just keep pondering so from mm. that point of view i think i'm lucky i found a sector that's overlooked um 
but I'd have kept looking and I found something eventually. But this is, I think this is right. In terms of, ex then when you get down to this execution thing, because it's all about once you've discovered there's a market and it does work and I can make, and if I get the positioning right, there's profit to be made. But can I actually make the product to the specifications it should be and still make profit? So then, mm -hmm. then I started on this, um, oh, how would I describe it? Uh, my, my search for a manufacturer. Now, mm -hmm. that is not easy <laughs> at all. Um, I had great ambitions of getting them made in England and I wanted a British brand. I'd still like to go back to that at some point. My, um, I just couldn't do it. I kept trying, right. kept trying. And then I, and then basically I could find someone maybe to make the frame, but I couldn't get the bag sorted. And then I'd have to get, I'd still have to get a load of stuff shipped over from abroad to the materials to get put together. My supply chain became a nightmare, but also the, uh, the cost. I mean, mm. I'd have been looking at selling for 180 pounds, yeah. and I'd have, but to sell that unit for, I'd have been doing so much juggling to try and bring it together. There was way too many moving parts in the process that, you know, one bit goes wrong, the whole business is stuffed. And I tried really hard and I couldn't make that happen. Mm. I then bit the bullet and did what a lot of people do in a manufacturing situation. I'm going to go to China. So, um, you know, and, and I did. Uh, so you start going through um, Alibaba, who's everyone's heard, and there's loads of suppliers and manufacturers on there. So you put on there who you are, what you want to achieve. I've got some tips for people that are actually doing this if they're mm. actually um, uh, in that situation. So you go on to Alibaba. Couple of things: do not say you are the final decision maker. Um, do not um, sort of because then they want a decision off you there and then. I alluded to the fact I never said I was part of a big company, but I used the terms like we. Um, we okay. would like to look into and things like that, just so someone doesn't think what you're just a little one-man band, or if mm. they think you're the decision maker, they're on your case very quickly. Mm. And also use a Gmail, don't use a company address to start off with. And you can rationalize that is because I don't want to be spammed. We are looking at this um, as an exploratory and I'm not giving you my company name to start out with. Mm. So that, that helps. So you start on that process and you put out what you want to do. Loads of people come back to you. Mm. And then you have to filter out the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, and you, the, some of it's quite an easy filtering process. If you have an idea for what your product wants to be and you want to design something, as soon as you're talking to someone about specifics and they're trying to palm you off on saying, oh, I've got this product, um, you just right. need to, you know, here it is, I've got this ready. Well, that's not what I want. You know, oh, you don't need to do the changes. They are basically middlemen and they are basically just trying to, they're basically taking a margin, selling you stuff. That's yeah, not they've got a ton of stock already and they just want to palm it off. Yeah, too, and they're also just a middleman for someone else. Yeah. So you lose those because they are obviously not the manufacturers mm -hmm. and they are not the people you need to talk to. Once you've lost those, you then start to find the actual manufacturing people. And then it's really about just sniffing each other out. Mm -hmm. um, you've got some really big players which are really bullish and minimum orders. I struck gold i found a lady called sunny who works and she's it's her own factory and all that sort of stuff she's a medium-sized producer and she works with aluminium she makes ladders just makes all sorts of stuff but she's mm. in in that sort of thing so i ended up having a and i'm talking now to say five different people she was really helpful and when we're talking about like my development and what i want to do use this term we and what all that sort of stuff and um she worked with us 
to develop the product we wanted. Uh, and she was saying, and because this was all in COVID times, everything happened to, you know, I couldn't go over there, couldn't visit, mm. her, you know, all that sort of stuff. So we're doing it via DHL products coming over, testing and all that. Finally get to the product that we're done. And she's been really helpful. And she hasn't charged us for the development. Because wow. in her mind, and I'm wondering, well, I'm not going to ask for an estimate or an invoice. She's mm. still working. I'm going to keep going with this. And I don't mean that in a nasty way to her, but I'm just like, Money's not come up, so let's just right. keep it going. Yeah. You're a startup, so you know, yeah, <laughs> you're gonna take it if you can, right? This is working for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, we get the product that's right, and then we're having a conversation. Then it comes down to the order, <laughs> and um, she's going, she's uh, she's like, right, brilliant, and she's expecting an order for like twenty thousand, thirty thousand, or whatever mm. it is. I'm like, brilliant, we've got the four products; they're awesome. I've been wheeling them around for ages. I've had friends wheeling them around for ages. We know they're good. It works. Uh, like, yeah, I'd like a thousand, please. <laughs> her face. Because we're on a sort of a, just like, what? I mean, she was really like, just blown away. And mm. then she was like, what are you talking about? I mean, what are you, you, and she'd assumed that we were this massive, like, retail, multi, you know, like a Tesco type sort of thing. Yeah. I'm like, no. <clears throat> And, and no, I'm Paul, I'm creating this brand called Strolly, and we're mm. looking to get into the shopping bag shopping bag market, and we're starting with a shopping trolley, and then we're going to grow from there. Mm. She was just like, what, you're, so there's no 20,000 unit order, you're, you're just, a, you're a starter. I'm like, yeah. And then, she, <laughs> and then she said, she looked at me and she said, Paul, is your company a pissant? I mean, it's obviously <laughs> just like... Which just made me laugh. And I was just like, well, yeah, we are very small. But she quickly, because it's her own company and she gets it, she quickly sort of switched and she then she's and then the sort of shock went, the disappointment disappeared. And she was like, So hang on, this is your company. You are looking because I'd sent her and then I sent her everything. So this is your company. You are looking to create a brand in your country and then Europe around shopping trolleys and shopping bags. And we've worked with you. I'm like, yeah, that's my ambition. And so, mm. so you're working with us. I said, Sonny, you've done all this for me. We, I get this right. Let me do my bit. You'll be getting the rest of the orders. And mm. she's been doing um, product. I've got some different bags and ba I'm doing because I'm looking to expand the range, mm. not just in shopping trolleys. And she's done loads of work for us because she gets what I want to achieve. And she gets she, the vision. Yeah. She gets the vision. She also knows the size of the market. So it turns out, I mean, I did feel bad about, I didn't lie, just didn't fully fess up with what I was. Yeah. But I, but I need, I'm in that situation. I don't have deep pockets, just need to do it. And so. And I, also you're using a very predatory platform where you do have to, which incentivizes that way of doing things. Yeah. So, you, you know, what can you I mean, do? I right? Very easily being shafted. Really yeah. straightforward. I mean, at the end of the day, I still could be, I mean, she could take our design and go off and do what she wants. Um, you know, you always run that problem. However, I, I don't. Well, I don't think she will because she knows that I'm trying to do here. Mm. If she's done it in China, well, as long as I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of yeah, quite yeah. What you don't know doesn't hurt, right? Yeah, I'm sort of <laughs> on that. If she has taken that, she's sending them in China. You know, obviously, it's not ideal. It's not what I want. But at least, but she's not. But as long as she's not doing it this side then fine i'd like mm. to think she wasn't but you never really know in these situations yeah and you always run that risk mm. and have that trouble so i think i got exceptionally lucky 
Um, so that is just one part about the difficulty of obviously getting your product. Mm. Um, and then the next bit about execution is because as we were coming out of the pandemic, global shipping just prices skyrocketed. Mm. I mean, so uh, my, my um, how much was it? It's meant to be, it's meant, oh God, I can't remember. It's about, a pound of, it's about 80p to a pound a unit to ship from China to here. When I shipped in, I think I was on fourteen pounds a unit because rather Oof. than yeah, rather than was sixteen pounds a unit, it was high, and um, basically that was. I mean, I've got say about twenty twenty four pounds of margin in terms. So there's margin in my product, mm. um, but that basically was a nightmare. But I took the decision at that point; it needed to be done because I still needed to test the market. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I'd got my figures. In theory, this will work, but if I don't take the dive, what am I going to do? Wait a year? What am I going to do in that year? So I bit the bullet on that. Glad I did. Obviously, it was expensive. Um, got into market and then started from there. So, yeah, it's not e execution at the end of the day is not easy. Mm. And how long did that entire process take you? Oh, my God. So um, from the moment of hang on, what's going on here? I like shopping trolleys. Mm. I'd say at least 18 months. Wow. Mm. Um, yeah, at least 18 months. And then the last 18 months, I've sort of been in market. Um, mm. So, but I, I mean, I sort of, and that comes on to the next bit about the difficulty of business and the execution of business again to the final mm. bit. So I've, in reality, getting for me, with my advertising and marketing background, the fact I've run a business before, once I'm in market, I, I don't, it's not easy. But I'm very comfortable it's in that. It's familiar, market. right? Yeah. yeah, I can get this done. I know what I need to do. Mm. Difficult without a marketing budget, and I find that really frustrating because <laughs> I don't. Like, I've got all this ah, skill, and I can't use it. So it's just so it's been very difficult. We have managed to get some product out. Um, now, then I get to, and this is again in, in the execution of the business. I get to about, I think it's October last year. So I've got my sort of proof of concept. And so, if I'm honest, I've stalled a bit this year. And I'll come mm. on to why. I mean, there's no hiding anything. So I've got my proof of concept. I get to about November and I've always had like every stage when you do business, you know, you've got you've got objectives and goals to get to. Mm. And if you don't get to that goal, the business falls apart. You know, can I make the product? Yes, I can. Right. I can get to the next thing. Can it work to the market? Yes, I can get to the next thing. Can I get them into market? Yes, I can. Can I sell some? And uh, is the quality right? Yes, it is. So all those bits get ticked. I get to about October and I right. Now I know that. I can go out for investment. Um, I don't. I, I, I'm one of the believers in I need to sort of prove it can work before I can go and ask someone for money. Mm. Um, I think I'd have been in, in an uphill battle saying, give me a load of money for a shopping trolley, because yeah. it's not the most sexy product in the world. Um, and um, so I get to about October. I then quickly realize, because of my advertising and marketing background, you know, you understand who's your target audience, what do they want to know, how do you present your product to that audience? I very quickly realized that I do not know how to talk to an investor. What do they want to know? How do, because I've never been in the sort of fundraising world before. I've, mm -hmm. I've built my agency before through myself, but I've not had to raise money. And this product, I need money to grow it. Mm -hmm. So then I realized, well, I don't know. What do they want to know? How do I present the information and all that sort of stuff? Um, so then I realized I need to get on a course. Um, I joined, I joined, I ended up coming across a cohort called Startup to Stand Up. 
Have you ever heard of them? I have heard of them, yeah. They're a great bunch. I'll come back onto them later if I remember. Mm. They're a brilliant bunch of people, and I'll talk about them in, in a bit. Um, and then, and you sort of start learning. I didn't even know there was something called SEIS. Mm. You know, this is where my lack of knowledge comes in. SEIS, what a platform to actually, or what, a, what an offer for investors. Didn't mm. know it existed. Um, so, I, you know, my knowledge on that was rubbish. And I came across them very fortunate. No, I found out about SEIS through a friend who introduced me to someone that gets you your SEIS advance assurance, who introduced me. I got on that road and I found the right yeah. path to get into this sort of startup mentality. Because mm -hmm. I wasn't part of that when I'd been going through this journey. I didn't even know this world existed. Didn't know people like you existed with your podcast. You know, it just, mm -hmm. just didn't. And I never really used to use LinkedIn, hated social media. And when I had my advertising agency, someone else did it for me. I'd give them a right. break. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I sort of get into that, and then I join a course. Um, Hattie Fawcett runs an amazing course on. She's called Focused for Business, right. and she runs a brilliant course about how to get yourself investor ready, and absolutely stunning. And then it started. I started that in January, and sort of done by the sort of beginning in March, and it's done over a couple of months. So it gets you what do people want to know? Gets your pitch deck ready. What needs to be in your pitch deck? What you need to be saying to people to make yourself saleable, get your forecast sorted out, all that sort of stuff. I get, I get the context of why it's, what it needs to be. I didn't know how to present it and what people wanted to know. So I learned mm. that. I then get to, um, blah, 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 say, end of March, I'm now ready to go out for investment. Now, as I mentioned, I've been building a distribution network which kept myself busy and kept money coming in. Mm. I get to, and this is the difficulty of execution all the way through, I get to the beginning of April, and um, thank you very much, Paul. You've given us national coverage. That's brilliant. Thank you. You completed the project. I'm like, oh, shit. Do you know, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to go. I'm thinking, well, yeah, so, and I know in the back of my head, shit, you know, I've done this. Yeah. Um, you did the job it. too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to roll it into something else. Yeah. And then it's just like, no, right, thank you very much. I'm like, oh. So that then stops. Right. I'm like, right, now this is a problem because I've got mm. something that I need money to keep myself floating. I need... So then I sort of lost the last three, four months. of try... So I, I sort of paused in terms of looking for investment. And this is mm. the problem that any founder will know when you're right at the beginning. Mm. You spin a lot of plates. Um, and so I've been sort of the last three, four months, I've been like, I need to get another job or get money. So I was out there sort of looking for stuff. And then I sort of, there was a marketing offer came in but when you get into marketing again there's no you can't organize yourself like i'll do some work you know you're in mm. and it's long days and all that and so i was like damn i can't do that because then strolly will go and i was like hang on a minute i have just got loads of product knowledge about oak framing i've built this entire distribution network i'll just go back to them like, mm, why didn't i think about this before just go and say can i have a job doing sales right. And it's like, well, yeah, what do you do? So, well, we're not really looking for a salesman at the moment. I'm just like, well, I'll do it at 0% commission. You give me leads, I'll do that. So I spent three months um, building up a pipeline of people. I'm getting loads of sales in now. So I brought my income back up and I needed to concentrate on that. Hmm. The good thing about it, though, it enables me to have time to do something else as well. Hmm. So I've worked, so I'm sort of two and a half days that, two and a half days that, with another four days 
Right, you know, so more days in the week than there are because you work, <laughs> yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and so but that there are there are more days in the week for founders. Oh so my I think god, we have, it's just we have a day week. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got a ten day week at the moment. But, right, okay. um, but that's enabled me the flexibility. So then now we're now at the beginning of August, mm. and now I'm back. I've got my income sorted out. I've now got some stability back in my life, and I've got time that enables me to dive back into Strolly. So in a bit, in a little bit, I sort of. I've stalled, which I really mm. kicked myself for, and I've struggled with that because I wish I knew what I know now last August and October. So mm. when I had momentum, I should have I should have been building my network of people. I wasn't. I didn't right. know I should be on LinkedIn. I didn't know I should have all this. I didn't even know what a cap table was. I mean, mm. you know, that's the kind of web learning I've gone through. Um, and I wish I was there. And then someone told me this thing. Do you know about the law of gestation? Uh, probably if you explain it it does sound familiar but, but it's brilliant and this just sort of got rid of my guilt and my my own ass kicking i've been giving myself right so basically gestation different animals have different gestation periods don't right. yeah and i'm on my business right and my gestation period is just what my gestation period is to get strolly done mm. and so i was thinking oh, i should have been ready last year and i should have had this stuff mm. no paul your gestation period is your gestation period right you weren't ready at that point to get to that, and you are ready now. It's all mm. part of your gestation to be ready. And I just suddenly thought, I like that. Because mm. I am where I am now. I've got myself in a good place. Mm. I've got all my knowledge. I've got everything I need to go forwards. Exactly. You, know, you, 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 could, you could very well be in a situation where you're still trying to find that, 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 that income. Um, and you know everything's on hold. And, you know, and people have been in that situation So you know, for months. So... You know exactly your journey is your journey there's nothing yeah, wrong it with is. That. Yeah. and that really helped me mm. really i mean it sounds so obvious but i was like oh i shouldn't be i should be in a different position or i should be just i should be better and i should be what right. you know right. no, it's not helpful be. it's not helpful is it it's not a helpful not mindset you are where you are and yeah. <laughs> that's it I'm, I'm and if you want to change to something about that you do something about it right yeah. you know yeah. yeah you do you do you've got to make things happen yeah yeah so that gets me now to now. And um, yeah, so I'm now on this sort of fundraise journey. Um, and so I've started talking to people. That's a full-time job as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. So this is what I mean about like, I've got two and a half days of like doing my sales. I've got two and a half days of sort of doing strolly. And then I've got the other four days, <laughs> four days of doing outreach to investors. And I really do need to do more outreach to investors. Mm. But that's difficult because I don't spam. Mm. So the next thing you need to learn, and again, this investors don't sit there going, hi, I've got loads of cash and I'm looking to give it away. You know, some of them do. <laughs> I need to find some of those. I need yeah, I know, I know a few like that. Do you? Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. have a conversation after this. Don't say the name on here because otherwise everyone will be after them. Mm. Um, but yeah, so then I sort of restart. So I've had to learn. The next bit is I've had to learn how do you find these people? Mm. You know, the amount of times I've spent on companies' house. I mean, I've had to look, you know, that, that sort of stuff. I found a nice service um, called Scribe Labs, um, mm -hmm. and they sort of scrape data for people. So you can put in sectors. So that's been really useful for me. So I started that. But I want to, who's, what are they invested in? Have you used uh, ShipShape? Yes. Oh, he's, yes, I have. Yes. Daniel's ace, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, he was on. He was on the podcast, and so was his co-founder, Alistair. I've had them both on. Lovely, oh, lovely human beings. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I haven't. I've missed theirs. Well, I'll have to go back and have a look through that. Is yeah. It, is it actually out? Oh yeah, yeah. It was in uh, season one. Yeah, yeah. 
right. Yeah, Alistair, Alistair was on, and then a couple of episodes later, I had Dan on. Right. Yeah, yeah. Both, both lovely human beings, very hyper intelligent individuals. Uh, yeah, yeah, Dan, only, uh, Dan, Dan could only spare an hour, um, but uh, but it was a, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a really good packed hour. We, we managed to talk about a lot of stuff. Right. Really interesting. Great service, Shipshape. Yeah. I mean, again, I struggled with not you, not like because of their platform, because I've had to understand the language that comes out of it. Right. Yeah. You know, this is what I mean about like if you don't understand some of the terminology, you don't get the context of what things are said. So I've, exactly. I feel like I've had to learn a new language. Yeah. Even though I've been in business before, this is just totally I'm on a very different journey. So now I've mm. sort of struggled with finding investors because when I want to write to them, well, I want to know what you're invested in, mm. and then. Why is that? Why are you interested in that? And therefore, if you're interested in that, I think you might be interested in this. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, everyone has a standard email to an investor. I've got a paragraph that's pretty much right. Standard. That's how it should be. But yeah. I mean, but you're, what you're describing there is sales. Yes. Right. Yes. That's sales outreach. And that's how sales outreach should be. That's what people talk about when they talk about personalized sales outreach. It's exactly that. It should be you find a reason for the, for the for choosing that person, for reaching out to that person. Yeah, there's always going to be a bit that's the same because it's like this is our product, whatever, or this is our service. But that, but generally speaking, that's how it should be. It should be relevant to the individual. Yeah. Absolutely, because no one, might, everyone can see spam a mile away. You know. Yeah, it just goes straight in the bin. Exactly. And that is what takes a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. So I mean, I, I mean, I'd love to be sending out a thousand emails a month. I'll be lucky if I get to 250, yeah. um, you know, but I mean, but you're increasing your chances by taking that approach. Yes, very true. So, um, you know, and I've had some conversations. One thing I've found interesting is about, I mean, obviously I've got, I've had a few conversations so far. I've had a few no's so far. Mm. Um, uh, I've actually turned someone down so far, which was, I did not expect to be. Like, right. You know, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I was really just wasn't comfortable. And, I, yep, and that yep. I did not expect to be doing because I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really yeah, important yeah. thing to do though. I know a couple of founders that have done it and I know a couple of founders that should have done it and didn't and regret it. You know, it's a really important thing to do. Yeah, I mean, in this one, there was a bit, it was, um, yeah, I'll give you some money, but I want to have a load of sweat, I want to work for you and take sweat, sweat equity. Right. I'm like, well, hang on a minute. You're just taking double what you're putting in and then you want, but no, it's not working. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's a fantastic business model you have for yourself though. <laughs> um so yeah so i've sort of but i mean the thing i've found is, is people have said no but can you keep me updated on your journey mm. and that so that's a good thing because people want to see what i'm doing and this is where i started kicking myself because i was saying well i bloody hell i had much more going on last year mm. while i was getting this on i've sort of stored and then i had that chapter on by the journey so i relaxed a bit um because i'm confident on what i built the proof, the basic proof of traction I have is the basic proof of traction. doesn't matter if it happened yesterday or last year. The mm. market is there. The market is growing. And I proved that and the product's good. That's that. That's mm. in the bag. So, you know, don't, don't beat yourself up, Paul. Yeah, uh, I actually, so I actually made a post today. Um, I can't remember the exact wording of it. So I'm just going to bring it up while talking. But it was actually on this topic, funnily enough. So I, uh, I posted, listen up founders, if you're spending more time thinking about how to raise funds from investors than you are actually getting your product into the hands of your customers, your startup will fail. What do you think of that? Agreed. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's basically what I did. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I spent my time getting my product to market. Right. That's exactly what I did. 
Yeah. And then with the view of, and then I go and find an investor. Mm. But then it, that come. I mean, in reality, you want the, if you can, you want the balance. <laughs> of course. But I mean, like you just um, rightly pointed out, it's a full-time job. Yeah, and, it is. And, and, you know, so it's always this difficult thing. Like I, I speak to a lot of founders, as you know, as an advisor, and one, one of the topics that comes up time and time again is, you know, when should I go and, and, and start, uh, you know, doing my raise? And it's like, well, you know, the amount, like we've just just talked about it's sales you're, you're you're building a sales process you're learning the sales process you're refining your pitch if you're going to do all that effort to just get no 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 because you have no traction which is the case yep. for so many people then direct that towards your your customers and you will get sales and then you will have traction and get some money and in fact you might end up finding that you don't need investors yeah, if you're yeah. able to build a really successful funnel if you are enjoying this episode please subscribe like and share your thoughts in the comments um, and grow a bit more organically, which, you know, I think, you know, in, in, in old school terms, it was organic growth. And now it's bootstrapped is, is the term for, for, for the startup world. But, you know, there's no, no harm in that, I don't think. No. But, um, but it's not that easy. And it doesn't apply to every product, right? Uh, especially no. I mean, when it comes to manufacturing. I, that's, a, that's a whole different kettle of fish. I, boot, I, I mean, bootstrap organic growth when I set my advertising agency up. Right. <laughs> you know, because... Because that's quite normal in service-led businesses. You know, yeah. it's a very normal thing to do. I was sat. So I was a, you know, I've been in advertising. I was a client. I got my way up by 30 to a client services director, which is good. Mm. Uh, and then I made redundant. And basically, I was like, well, I'll look for a job. And I'll try and set up my own ad agency. In mm. reality, I wanted to be a radio production house. Love radio as a medium. Um, but then we, our first client we won was Playboy, and, and, they, and, they, and they wanted TV, radio, press. Which is like, well, there goes the business strategy. Let's, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll become a full service agency. But yeah. I literally sat at a kitchen table with a laptop and my phone pitching for business and then going to see clients. And then because I've got loads of connections, I could freelance it out. I didn't have the cash flow issues and like all that. And I could pull favors of friends as soon as you've got like you know i need to drop well next lot will be sort of 25 grand on product bang mm. you know it's just a slight that was a very different sort of situation to the other one yeah i mean yeah. Like, i guess if <laughs> i our second client um we basically won but then they said yeah perfect we want to come to your office and i was like Oh, oh shit! <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was like, oh no. So we had the, the, the lady called Ruth, who had a little design or had a design agency in in Angel in in, in Islington. So I was like, and she had been helping us doing our back end artwork and all that sort of stuff for us. And like, Ruth, um, we've got a client, and they want to come into into the agency. And she's like, what are you going to do? You've got no agency. I was like, <laughs> I'm thinking, Ruth, that we change the logo on your door and you become you become trumpet and he comes in for a meeting and and she's like do you think that'll work and this like, is the very definition of fake it till you make it yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah totally so yeah. anyway so this chap turned up i'm not going to say anything but he turned up and i took him around the office which wasn't mine and their staff were like what the hell's going on here and then i got funneled into the took him to the meeting room I remember like Ruth was in there and said, and you need anything? He said, yeah, a couple of coffees, please, Ruth. And then <laughs> and anyway, so I had the meeting. It was all good. Yeah, yeah. And I escorted the client out, and that was then perfect. And Yeah. And then, and then you were escorted off the premises by security. Yeah, I, I slept out. And we're chatting with the, I was chatting with the client, and the door closed behind me, but I didn't know the code to get back in. <laughs> 
and I'm like waving at him, but I can't get in the building. Like, <laughs> like, I wish he'd just walk quicker away. I can't get, can't get him. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Oh my um, goodness! But yeah, no, you just have to find a way. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's not ripping someone off. I got an offer shortly after that because those Playboy, my second client, um, basically meant I could get an office. I yeah. could start to build the team. That's, that's um, the, I mean, that, that's the thing. That's the definition of being scrappy. I mean, if you were doing that and taking people's money and running, well, that's a very different story. But, you you know, the fact that you were just building a business and you, you had to, for a specific type of client, they would expect a specific type of thing. I mean, that's just that's just thinking on your feet and being a scrappy. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's the way it works sometimes, you know. There would, there's no way we'd have got their business. Right. And, yeah, and these days, that the equivalent to that is using things like you know virtual uh, virtual calling systems and virtual assistants, and like people do that all the time. They're just solo founders, and they've got you know all of these you know these these digital versions of things to make them seem like they have a big call center or a big you know office space somewhere. It's, yes. it's, it's very similar. It happens a lot, especially in the crypto space. It happens a lot. Oh really? <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I but not not for certain, such good reasons in the crypto space. But yeah. I can get why a client would be concerned because you think, well, who the, who the fuck are you? Um, who are you backed by? How right. can I trust you? I totally get that. Um, you know, we were, I mean, but like, if, you, if you're good at your job mm. and you've got the stuff and you prove, because a lot of people don't look too far into your background anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we won Grant's Whiskey. They didn't know we were three people sat in a really dodgy office at that point. Mm. You know, we got the Belvenny brand. You know, just because we, we got into the pitch, we did our work, the strategy is brilliant, the creative's amazing. Mm. Why would they think we're small, three small people? Yeah. You just wouldn't. You and you just don't want that to undermine everything else, no, right? you don't. The work that you do, your skill, your experience. No, you yeah. definitely don't. And also, the one sort, of, one sort of plus side of that is obviously you're pitching yourself up with the big boys. Therefore, your fees are in big boy territory as well. Mm. Yeah. Which works very well when you're a small... Because if they also they'd second guess if you were charging half the price to someone else, well, why the hell are you doing that? Right, exactly. That's yeah. Suddenly, you're like, well, something's wrong. Well, that's um, where pricing yeah, is really important, and people don't appreciate the, the the psychology behind pricing. It's incredibly important for that. Reason. Yeah, massively, massively. I mean, there'd have been alarm bells ringing if I was half the price of other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for the type of work that I was doing, and we did fantastic work. Mm. You know, we did stuff to um, educating on landmines. Um, we always Bob uh, Robert Jeb, my creative partner. So there's two of us. He now runs Chicken Crackling. Shout out for you, Robert Jeb. Um, he's and it, so we've all gone off into different um, directions. He's got fantastic business. Mm. Um, he's, he's so basically when we were running the ad agency, he was he's a bit of a home cook and a chef. And his favourite part of a roast chicken dinner is crunchy uh, chicken skin. You know the mm. yeah yeah. And he said, I want a business in this. So he was like cooking bits of chicken skin at home, bringing it into the office and all that. And that's how his business started. And, and I was just like, that's brilliant. I mean, yeah, all that chicken skin in the world. Of course, no, you have to buy it. It's going to go into dog food otherwise. And right, so right. He's been on to a massive journey and he's basically created the equivalent of pork scratchings in chicken form. You'd have to get him on on the show. I'd I'd love to talk to him about yeah. that. That well, sounds I'll, I'll really message. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. He's, he's a great. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of a home cook as well, so uh, right. so yeah, food food is my my jam, and I I definitely would agree that I would prefer ch chicken scratching over pork scratching any day of the week. Pork scratching, you're gonna break teeth on at some some uh, point, isn't this? Uh, it's I'm just thinking... not great. <laughs> <laughs> um, home cooking, though, mm. I wrote a book. Oh, did you? Yeah, what about yeah. home cooking? 
Yeah, well, not about that. Yeah, but so during one of the, so I'm a bit of a, I called myself a glory chef, I suppose. At home. Right, right. You know, like, you know, I'm bad. Yeah, look at me showing off with my amazing food for my friends when they come around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of those. Um, but yeah, so during lockdown, um, it's called, uh, it's called Cheeky Feasting. And uh, the website is cheekyfeasting.com. I'm going to check it now. Um, yeah, yeah, cheekyfeasting.com. Yeah. Basically, it is a book of, um, well, basically, it's um, recipes from around the world remastered for cheek meat, as in cheeks. So, um, long, slow cooking. Oh, so okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's split into three sections. Um, so it's, um, well, there's two sections, walking and swimming. Uh, walking is obviously beef, pig, deer, um, veal, whatever else. Mm. Uh, and swimming is various fish cheeks. So, you know, cod cheeks, halibut cheeks, skate cheeks. Why um, cheeks? Why cheeks in particular? Why cheeks? Um, I, I, don't would... I don't think I've ever asked that for anyone that question in my well, life. I, I Why do cheeks? have this. Again, there's always a light bulb moment, isn't there? Right, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got some friends, B and Steve, and they enjoy food. Let's put it that way. Right. And um, we were chatting. And they said, I had an amazing beef cheek and whatever pie. And I went, beef cheek? Never heard of it. Mm. Um, and, they were, and they were surprised because I like eating and I like food. So they were like, oh, beef cheek's amazing. Mm. And the next day I was in the butcher and on the counter was a couple of beef cheeks. So I was like, right, off we go. Let's go and make a pie. And it was stunning. And the thing with beef cheek, it turns out it's a lean cut. So right. most, you know, so braising steak is generally fatty cuts that then break down. Mm -hmm. um, beef cheeks are really tough and need any meat animal, not fish cheeks. So fish cheeks are very quick, delicate, flash fry. Um, cheeks from animals are long, slow cooking, so braising. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's the collagen that actually makes them juicy and all that sort of stuff. So actually they're really healthy. So it's a slow cooked piece of meat that is actually lean. Really, really, it's a really bizarre yeah. contradiction. It's the collagen that breaks down and makes them so, but it, they're just bloody tasty. Mm. And then the more I sort of like, oh, I, I wanted to have some more. So what, what, and then I want more cheek because I was blown away. And then I just thought I couldn't really find more recipes. Do you know so what you mean? became a cheek addict. So I saying. did, much to my family's horror. Because, <laughs> when, because when, when you're writing a cookbook, you end up cooking lots of lots of variations of the same dish to get it right done. right and so i'm cooking a lot of cheeks in this household people had had enough of cheeks and then for the <laughs> but in the january time it was after the end the second lockdown leslie decided she wasn't eating meat for um for january my kids have gone i'm not having any more cheeks dad and so suddenly i'm just oh so I was, I was I was cycling around the neighborhood of Bellside Park, dropping off dishes to people at their houses because I was yeah, just, yeah. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Peak pork cheeks, my chili's amazing. They're just yeah, cheekybeasting.com if anyone would like a copy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just put it up on the screen. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm 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 curious about that. I don't think I've ever cooked with cheeks because I, I I cook pretty much all the meals at home. You know, I'm an ex, ex chef. It was the first thing I ever did. When I was a teenager, I, oh. I went and trained in France for a bit as well. Stayed there for a couple of years and 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 went to chefing school. And I have a French mother, so you know the, the right. cooking and food is in my blood. Right, well, wine is in my blood, probably more accurately. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so so and but I don't think I've ever cooked with cheeks. I've cooked um, uh, I've cooked pig's head before, which is a famous French delicacy oh, where I live. 
Oh, no, it was horrible. Was it? <laughs> it was horrible. So basically, it's a dish. Uh, what's it called? Um, Tetouvo. Right. And it's a very famous uh, French dish in the region where I was living at the time. Uh, it was dry outside of Le Mans, you know, where the famous racing mm -hmm. was. It was a little little village right outside Le Mans where I was living. And then I was studying in Le Mans in a, in a, in a college there, culinary college. And, um, yeah, and I was living and working in a hotel and you know chef as a chef there and they they would put this dish on and it was boiled sheep's head oh i think it's sheep and and it's the whole head right right so the yeah. whole head's going in like everything and uh you know just the skin's removed and it goes straight in and then uh, you know you're slicing bits off of it so make you know, the cheeks crazy, it? but the smell oh my god the smell it was the yeah. most horrendous thing and it was made with a sauce that had gherkins in it as well and so it was this you, then you would end up with this vinegary scent in the air because everyone's yeah. chopping up finally chopping up gherkins and it was just i mean it made me so queasy every single I was time say, boiling a head is never going to smell good <sighs> roasting a pig's head brilliant yeah, I mean, roasting generally, you know, yeah. you get some nice flavor, uh, yeah, some, some some sense from the flame and and the you know the caramelization all that, but yeah. just, I mean, boiling offal in general, like tripe and stuff. Oh my goodness! No, yeah, it was so. Well, when you mention offal, breakfast the kings, devil's kid, devil's kidneys. What's that? Devil kidneys. Oh, it's just kidneys, um, but you just wrapped, dashing a bit of flour with mustard and Worcester sauce in flour and. Um, little bit of water just to help loosen it some bacon victorian breakfast but it's like i was gonna say that sounds very british yeah devil yeah. kidney for breakfast with half a guinness that's my ideal birthday breakfast wow <laughs> <laughs> see offal is one of those things i've never managed to get on board with like i i understand i mean i think it's just because i was never shown how to cook it in aside from this head thing um, whether it was in culinary school with my mum or anything, like we occasionally had like chicken liver and and you know bacon as a kid, but it was very rare and it was mostly my dad that ate it. Like we didn't. Um, Did you liver at school in school dinners? Did you school in? We never had that. We never had that. God, it was terrible. Well, that's I mean, not why everything was terrible. I mean, they, they they managed to make chips taste like shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how do you do, how do you fuck up a potato? Like they, they somehow made they, they made potatoes it. shit. They they make peas crap. Like, how do you fuck up a pea? Like, you know, seriously. Like, I always remember the sprouts that just uh, sort of. Oh, yeah. I like a sprout, but I love a sprout. But this is the thing about like veg vegetables overall. There are a lot of people that don't like certain vegetables right or green vegetables as a whole and it's like well because everyone overcooks them yeah that's why like everything tastes like crap if you overcook it and a, and a sprout is a great example of that yeah. people overcook it terrible when overcooked. And they taste awful they get they get really bitter but actually i i, I like them raw I, I love i prefer actually not having them raw or just very lightly pan fried like shredded and pan fried yeah. you know i don't like carrots oh really how come i know it's a weird one but I still put one on my plate on it. If there's one there, I always like the color. And because it was drilled into me as a kid, eat your, eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I realized in my mid thirties or early forties, I really don't like carrots. And I was just like, oh God. <laughs> what, well, cooked carrots or raw carrots or both? Huh? Cooked raw both. Just not bothered with them at all. Really not. Really? But I will always put one on my plate. I don't know why, it's just so ingrained in me now that you yeah. know, Sunday roast day. But Something in the back of your head is thinking, I'm going to get a smack, of, a smack around the back of it if I don't uh, put it on my plate. That's <laughs> yeah. <it. laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's the thing, again, though, like most of the time, people don't like, you know, like boiled carrots because they're just mush and they don't taste of anything. And they just, yeah. you know, 
especially because if most people eat these things from school dinners like yeah. so the association is like overcooked peas overcooked broccoli overcooked whatever the amount of people i know that don't like broccoli i'm like are you mad broccoli is like one of the best yeah same it's it's a beautiful vegetable like but let me cook it for you and then i cook it and they're like okay i like it now so yeah I'm like, basically a lump of meat and some and something green is my hmm. sort of yeah, likewise. Stir, yeah, lump of meat and something green. My dog loves carrot, bizarrely. Right. Yeah. Every meal, grater carrot into his food and it's all gone. What dog do you have? We have a um, a short-haired Saluki who's asleep on the couch over there at the moment. Um, actually, can I do a shout-out to a charity? Yeah, go for it. You shout-out however um, you want. Yeah. We, we got our dog through a, a charity called Project Galgo. Project what? Project Galgo. Galgo is G-A-L-G-O. Project Galgo. So Galgos are basically Spanish greyhounds. So they right. look the same as sort of greyhounds. They're, slight, they're all basically a sighthound, skinny noses, thin. Um, but what happens in Spain, there's this, um, so the Galgos every year, so what happens is Galgaleros. And Galgaleros are like the hunting community, traveler community type thing. I might be describing them wrong, so forgive me if I am. Mm. But basically what happens is the, the king sponsors a coursing cup. So there's a prize fund at the end. And right. what happens is a certain group of people, and then, and they've just been, this is the way they've grown up. Their father did it, the grandfather did it, the grandfather before that did it. And so it's ingrained. So they are breeding and breeding Galgos in the hope that they have one really fast one. All the rest of them, 100,000 dogs a year, are basically binned. But they're not just got rid of in a nice way. Legs broken, thrown in rivers, thrown in wells, doused in, um, um, doused in um, acid. There's a thing called the, this fucks me off. There's a thing called the piano dance. Sorry, everyone that's gonna listen to this, where they hang the dog by its neck from a tree and its feet can only just touch the ground. So it's just doing, start hopping on its two hind legs and it takes days to die. And it's got a name and it's called the piano dance. I mean, it's just- Why? Why are the fuck they do that? Is it just, entertainment or something? That's sick. I just don't know. I just don't know. Anyway- I mean, just put them down. If you, if you really want to do it, just put them oh, down. Yeah, just, but yeah, it's just, it's the meat. I just don't get it. So there's a big problem there and there's a hundred thousand a year. So there's a, there's a charity in England. hundred thousand a year, that's insane. Oh, it's mental. Um, so there's a charity called Project Galgo in Britain, which ties up with another charity in Spain. And what they do is they bring over dogs for people to um, either foster or adopt. Mm. Uh, and, and they also did a tie up with a Saluki charity in Bahrain. And so we were gonna be a foster parent um, hey, this is interesting. So when, because when I set when I set up Strolly, and I, as I mentioned earlier, I never did any of the social media stuff because other people mm. I could brief it and someone else did. So I did not need. I never did social media for myself. I don't have social media accounts. But yeah. when I set up my company, obviously I needed a Facebook. I needed an Instagram and all that. To set up a Facebook account for your company, you need a personal Facebook mm. account. So I had to set myself up. And at that point, I had no friends, no interests, no connections to anyone. Mm. And after about a week or so, I got one thing in my newsfeed, and it was from Project Galgo. And it's saying they needed foster, foster parents right. for their dogs. And I was like, yes, I'm in. So strange. <laughs> I mean, that's, talk about something good coming out of social media. Yeah, yeah. So I met Helena that runs this little charity. 
Um, they've got Nick Cave on now as a patron, which is brilliant. yeah, I just saw that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a oh, what a legend. Um, yeah. So we ended up we got a dog with no ears. Someone basically he'd lived on the street, been abandoned. Someone sliced his ears off. Not even dog, just sliced, burnt him with cigar lighters. And he's this beautiful, rounded character. Got no issues with people. So I help them sometimes. Um, so if anyone wants to donate, Project Galgo is yeah, always sure. looking for funds. I do. I do a small donation every month. But if you're looking to foster or you're looking to adopt, please reach out to Project Galgo, um, a charity I really, really respect and like. And um, yeah, the lady that runs it, Helena, is wonderful. Um, but yeah, feel free to contact me if you want an introduction with regard to that or you're of interest. Mm. Oh, good shout out. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 so, that's so bizarre. I never I was never aware of that, that issue in, in Spain. Is that, is that unique to Spain? Yeah, it is that one. I mean, we've got animal cruelty all over the place. So it's a, yeah, you know, but this particular. Thing but this, these, yeah, these are yeah. And they and they're, I mean, are they a type of breed of greyhound or something? Yeah, or? so yeah, they're all sighthounds at the end of the day. I think that one right. on the left with the big ears is a, a pedenco. Um, Leela, I think, looks like it looks pedenco-y. But they're basically all sighthounds. And any sighthounds, I don't know if anyone people have this misconception, like greyhounds that need loads of exercise. Mm. <laughs> you couldn't be further wrong. Oh basically, really? Yeah, they're the perfect flat dog in London. Um, they sleep 80% of a 24-hour period. Um, they don't need much walking. I mean, I go off and do a 5K run around Regent's Park every other day. I don't yeah. run two days in a row. So he comes jogging with me most mornings. But a 20-minute to 25-minute walk in the morning and the evening, and then they sleep. Or oh, I mean, got I one yeah, of them instead I, of hard dogs. He walks as well, but he'll walk on a 20-mile all-day walk with me. As yeah. well, but like in terms, of they're not a high maintenance dog. They're very placid, really caring. Love and is a lovely addition to our home. Oh, I suppose it makes sense because they they're um I mean they're fast, but they they go on a you know it's a sprint, right? Yeah, it's not like they're running marathons. It's a very yeah, different thing. Exactly, so the burst of energy, and then they're they're probably knackered for a that's while right. after that, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, yeah, lovely animals. Big fan of sight. Anything sight hounding. Oh, okay. See, you know, I'm not usually a fan of like um, my wife Anna. She loves greyhounds. She loves dogs in general, but she right. loves greyhounds. So she's always said, you know, can we get a greyhound or a pug? And I think both of those types of dogs are a little bit ugly. Personally, <laughs> right? Uh, one looks like a skeleton. The other looks like Jabba the Hutt. So I'm not particularly interested in either one. But looking at these guys, they look quite cute. Yeah, so, they're nice. It's yeah. just the, it's, the temperament is is fantastic. Because you don't mm. want, I mean, if I had, I don't know, a sheepdog or a spaniel, mm. it would be round my feet right now. If you wanted to get out, I don't think people pay attention to what, you know, oh, isn't that dog cute? Right. Well, yeah. Like yeah. Do they really, don't think about how it's going to fit into their lives. No. Do you yeah. really understand the temperament of a dog? Yeah. Um, one yeah. of the things I do recommend, if, say, rather, if you don't have a dog, maybe foster first, talk to someone that needs fostering. And because the other thing that happened, we were going to get a Galgo from, Sp um, from Spain and they visited our house. They understand who we were, the family dynamic. And so they get a bit of an understanding of what the dogs are. A fosterer's mm. role is to take the dog and do it. Because what happens when people adopt, they sometimes they often give dogs back because they go, mm. well, this dog's not what I wanted. It's got. So as a fosterer, your job is to understand the animal's sort of peculiarities, any dietary requirements, what issues it may have. And then when the dog is going for adoption, or you can be helping to solve those issues, it's really rewarding fostering. Um, but then when, the, when an adopter is going to take the dog, they know what they're getting into. Mm. You know, they know what they've got. Or I've sorted everything out before then. But the stage before that, 
you know, the charity is very careful to what kind of dog they put with us. Because mm. obviously, you know, they're not going to go, well, we don't know this dog at all. You can't put him in a family with kids. So they yeah. do take sort of, you know, they do look at. And then they said to us, um, we were going to give you whatever dog, but we're going to give you Ramsey. Uh, and, you know, she, I definitely got played there beautifully because I was a fosterer. And the next thing I know, I'm an, I've adopted. And they, and they, and, and, and they call, and you're, you're basically a foster fail if you adopt. <laughs> so right. I'm technically known as a foster fail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's beautiful. Oh, well, I mean, a horrific story, but beautiful story, outcome, I suppose. I should yeah, say. Yeah, it is. They're a lovely um, charity. Yeah, I'll look into this. Like, not that we could probably manage with another body running around <laughs> at the moment, but maybe, <laughs> maybe in the future when we upgrade the home and everything like that again, because um, we've got a German Shepherd. And, okay. Uh, yes, yeah. you're, used to, you're used to a decent-sized dog. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, he's he's fun. He's a pain in the ass, but he's <laughs> where is he? <laughs> I don't even know where he is. Probably outside. But um, no, he's, he's adorable. But my goodness, yeah, like it's. I mean, it's it's funny because I never used to be a dog person. Um, I right. used to be. I used to. I, I couldn't stand it, and I couldn't understand people who were dog people. I used to be a cat person. I was raised with cats, right? right. So uh, yeah, yeah, like not like literally raised by cats or anything, but like I, there was always a cat in the household, and um, it was my my wife when I met her. She uh, she you know absolutely adored dogs. She was even working part time when we met actually in a. Uh, like a doggy daycare centre, right. okay. um, and uh, yeah, she loved dogs, and and I was oh, not a fan, not a fan. And over the years, she just broke me down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gradual dripping of water until you suddenly right. came in. Yeah. yeah, and she's allergic to cats as well. So, you know, we were like, I was like, I want to get a, you know, a pet. And I was like, oh, I'm allergic to cats. I was like, fuck's sake. Okay, right. Well, let's look into this dog thing. And I just kept looking into it. And then one day, my brother, out of nowhere, a few years back, um, just sent a message. And he loved, he's always loved dogs, which is weird because we were brought up in the same household, but he always loved them. And he um, one day sent me a WhatsApp message and said, look at this. I've, I've just, um, I've just got this fella. And it was a beautiful little, uh, you know, one week old uh, German Shepherd puppy. Right. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. Like, I, I fell in love. Like, you know, I, I'd slowly been broken down and then I saw a puppy. And the thing is, with a puppy too, like, I've always found the puppies cute, but it's the when they're big and you have to clean up their shit and walk them every five minutes. I'm like, oh, no, I don't know about that. I like a cat because it takes care of itself. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's the thing about it that I love. And then I was like, oh, mate. I was like, well, you know, does um does she does this breeder have any any others? Because I was think I've been thinking about it for a while about just surprising my wife, you know, with this. And uh, and I'd been looking as well by this point, but I couldn't find anything. And plus, everyone's charging like you know five thousand pounds, six thousand pounds, because this is just uh, uh, after the pandemic, so right. everyone's milking it, you know. And um, and uh, it was like, well, funnily enough, um, his brother. So he had got a dog named Cody. It was like his brother um, that was meant to be picked up today, and she just told me that that fell through. Do you want me to ask if um, he's still available? I was like, yeah, do it. Why not? Screw it. Let's Ooh. see what happens. And uh, I was like, yep, still available. Do you want me to go and pick him up? Because he lives, you know, far away. He's like, do you want me to pick him up? I can drop him down. I was like, yes, do it. So I, by that point, I'd already showed my wife, like said, look what my, you know, my brother just, said, you know, got like, a Cody. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, can we get one? And I was like, you know, playing it off like, no, I told <laughs> you, we'll never get a dog. You know, that's my rule. And then uh, he comes down with Cody, the dog Brilliant. that he bought. Brilliant. And he's like, and I'm like, he's coming down to show us, you know, the dog that he's got. And everyone thought that was Cody, the dog. And then playing around, <laughs> literally here, like where we are right now, my son's there. He's, you know, he was seven at the time and my wife and they're all playing. Oh, I'm oh, such a beautiful dog. And uh, and he's like, um, and my brother's like, well, I'm going to have to go soon. 
Um, and the inevitable thing that, she, that a woman always says in this situation, whether it's a baby or a puppy, is, oh, can you leave him here? <laughs> and I knew she was going to say that, so I told my brother, I said, say yes. <laughs> uh, so he went, yeah, but you're going to have to think of a name first. And she was like, really confused. She looks at me and is like, well, what do you mean? Like, his name's Cody. So no, he hasn't got a name yet. This oh, isn't yeah. Cody. And she was like, what? So you're going to have to think of a name. And she How was long like, did it take the penny to drop? It took a while. <laughs> and then he was like, wait a minute. So he went into the, got in the car, came out, and he had a blank birth certificate. And he was like, there you go. I was like, surprise. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and she just started streaming, crying. And she was like, what? And my, my son was like, oh, my God. Like, that is like, this is ours. And I was oh like, yeah. God. So I go in the outhouse. It's full of dog stuff. There's a crate. There's like all those. I bought it all. Oh, it was all there. It's like, no way. And then straight away, she was like, Merlin. His name is Merlin. <laughs> oh, my God. You got dad and husband of the year in one. I did. Time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing how quickly they fucking forget, I love the way how you got it in there as well. Like, you know. Yeah. By yeah. thinking one thing and then suddenly, oh, that's yeah. beautiful. Love yeah, that. It was a good what little. What do you just randomly wall on dogs? And I keep seeing all this stuff in the news about these American bullies and all that sort of stuff and banning <laughs> breeds and whatever else. I can't, I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't know what I, I don't know how to think about it. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, mm. so like, I don't know. Can you ban a breed? I mean, I get, because all dogs have traits, you know, yeah. like he's a sight hound, then he will. You know, you get retrievers, they retrieve, pointers point, mm. you know, sheep dogs herd. And they are basically bred from a fighting dog. Yeah. And fighting dogs bite. So I just I just don't know what and I just don't know what I think. It's it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I think, you know, because there are some dogs that need to be bred to have violent tendencies for, you know, security, yeah. you know, guard dogs, that kind of thing. Yeah, and agreed. you know, um, so I was thinking about this today, funny enough, when I was walking Merlin this morning, I was like, you know should is it sensible as a dog owner to train your dog to attack i was thinking about that because i've seen training you know done on that like police dogs because these are you know obviously german shepherd and i was thinking and, and they do do that with german shepherds they train them to attack don't they, they you right. know a very specific um thing from from puppy um where they, they have a trigger word or what or an instruction or whatever and then they attack and i was thinking, is that would that be something sensible for a homeowner to do to protect their home and i said well probably not because anything can set them off yeah you know and I suppose it's a similar sort of thing. It's like if you have a breed that is, in, you know, uh, inclined to aggressive behaviour or, or very quick to it, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it's but, tough. I mean, I'm not really into banning a breed per se. Mm. But it's just like you know, but I don't understand why. And everyone says, "Oh, it's such a softy." But then I think it should just be it should just be more regulated. I think that's what it should come down. But like like you were just saying, a lot of people get a dog without understanding the temperament. I think you should just be able you should just have a permit or a license of some kind some way of just proving that you are a uh, a responsible dog owner because at the end of the day you're, you're taking a you know you're, you're bringing a life into your home um yeah. you know and uh, and it's a wild animal like well it's a domesticated animal but yeah. it's an animal yes it is um and that's unpredictable you know even the most tamest of dogs can can snap and 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 do you know horrible things because of anything can happen right so there has to be i think some response but in the same way that you know you could buy a dangerous other kinds of dangerous animals like a crocodile or a, a tiger you can buy those in the uk but you need to have a license in order to do that yeah. yes you do. yeah fair point yeah fair point so yeah maybe that's by the whole thing and i just don't know what to think about it you know I, and yeah. I, you know then it's because it's, it's in the public consciousness now and i was one walking mm -hmm. down the road and i think do i cross the road or not and it's really i'm not that kind of person yeah yeah you know but i'm walking with my dog will he get into, and it has set a level of sort of it's changed sort of my 
general thought process. And I can't mm -hmm. work out if it's right, wrong, good, bad. I've got... You it's know, never that simple, is it? I mean, but the thing is, as well, people are fucking stupid. So, um, <laughs> like... Like the amount of right, because the, the amount of times I'll be walking Merlin and some a complete stranger will just walk straight up to him and try and stroke him, and it's oh like, God. what are you doing? And I have to pull him back because he starts snapping. It's yeah. like, do you? Oh, I love dogs, and it's like, well, you clearly don't understand them. Like, you should not do that. There was one. There was one time uh, a little girl almost lost her fucking arm because behind no, yes, walking on 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 the other side of the pavement was a little girl, she mustn't have been any older than five or six, and a mother. And the mother's not paying attention to what her little girl's doing. And she runs, as, as they walk past, she then turns around and goes to stroke him from behind. <gasps> right. And immediately, obviously, my Merlin, he's like, oh, like that. That? yeah. Yeah. And luckily, I, I clock it because I see her sort of, you know, sort of getting closer. And I think she's going to come from behind. So I, I'm ready and I pull just in time. But he was going for it like that and i and 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 the woman's like doesn't even apologize doesn't even say no you shouldn't do that or anything so i had to say you should never do that to a dog to this yeah. absolute stranger of a little girl never come up behind from a dog and never yeah. even go near a dog you don't know yeah. ask permission and this woman was just like gormless like with her phone out not just not it's like fuck's yeah, sake you just like, walk up and just get in your face you wouldn't do it to a person don't do it to um don't definitely don't do it to an animal not I mean, big yeah exactly when i get so i get to can i stroke your dog thank you so much for asking you've done the right thing well done you should always do that of course yeah you absolutely yeah and that's it i mean for every idiot there's plenty of people who are very polite and, yeah. and ask but especially when when they're when he's a, when he was a puppy obviously a lot more people want to stroke a puppy and so yeah. it was every five minutes we couldn't go anywhere without oh you know can i stroke him can i stroke him now he's a bit bigger it's a bit different but I mean, that was a nightmare. You couldn't get anywhere. Like, it was just one thing after the other. Um, and so many people would ask. And, and, and eventually, I just started saying no. Right. Because it was taking me too long to get anywhere. I'd, be, I'd, want to, I'd have half an hour to walk in, and I've got to get to work. And it would take me 45 minutes an hour. Because every five minutes, I was like, no, sorry, he's in training. You know. There was a woman that lives in Belsize Park, and she, she hadn't seen her for a while. So she's either moved or, but she used to have a house rabbit. Right. It used to, and it was a big, I don't know what they're called, but it's a big unit, a lop or something, I think. And right. she used to take it for walks down into the village. <laughs> and it was, she was like the Pied Piper of children because she was going to the village to go, mobbed. Can I touch your rabbit? Can it? And you could hear just like, oh, she, she <laughs> Yeah, but dog. that's your own fault for walking a fucking yeah. rabbit. Like, <laughs> come on. What do you expect? And I'm just yeah. like, bloody hell. I hope my, I mean, if I saw to say, I've got to, I've got to take my dog home. I mean, yeah. that's to a sight hound, a rabbit. Oh, I'm eating it. <laughs> I want yeah. To eat it. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to be friends anytime soon, are no, they? Yeah. Not, yeah. But I mean, the, if you're walking a rabbit, come on, you want attention. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but like, that's like, yeah, like it's like walking a crocodile or something. You're not, you're not going outside walking that thing because you don't want people to stare at you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, that's funny old world. Um, I'm trying to think what else has been going on recently. So yeah, fundraising, business. Yeah, how do you have you got any advice for me about finding investors? I mean, I obviously you said I know some investors, but um, what would you suggest? Oh God, good question. Uh, I mean, well, like I said, my, my predominantly my main advice at the moment is don't do it <laughs> <laughs> because because like you pointed out, it's like it's it's uh, it's harder than ever right now. I mean, as we know, the 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 bar for the expectations of investors now has been raised significantly across the board, right? So you know, f what's expected. Um, 
what was previously only expected to be seen in terms of numbers and you know regarding traction or revenue or any of that kind of stuff you know in series a has now been pushed all the way down to seed right you know that's you know, so so you know the criteria from angels and syndicates and family offices now pretty much matches exactly that of vc funds right it's it's almost identical across the board so they right. expect to see you know significant traction you know significant feedback or at the very least that you're working uh with a with a community that you're being able to continuously iterate or whatever and obviously ideal primarily with software so that's maybe more important there um so you know that's why i think my advice primarily with tech startups is you know if you've just got 10 users on a beta that's not enough <clears throat> go out and get ten thousand. like that's what you need yeah. to do and these are the steps to do it because of that's obviously the thing that's most difficult to to figure out um in a lot of cases but i think I, honestly i think the advice i would have given is what you're already doing which is the personalized approach don't do it on mass yeah um you know and and, and actually bear in mind because you know you were saying like they, they're not willing to just they're not sort of there saying give me your money i think they, that's kind of not entirely true about most investors actually <laughs> like an investor's job their entire company is built around the fact of giving people money they want to give people money they want to buy shares in companies obviously their process is just to mitigate the risk and increase the yeah. chances of of that that share that they buy increasing in value over a period of time so they're very keen and in fact they spend a lot of their time building pipeline right that's what they do right. uh, what they want to do is they, they're always continuously trying to find ways and i know this as a as an ex angel because i've been recently taking a break now to focus on my on my business financially oh, well, so i'm talking to an ex-investor well no, yeah and not 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 I'm by timing. <laughs> yeah 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 but not by you know I, I you know not a huge portfolio and not not necessarily huge ticket um investment but um but yeah like i dabbled in it let's say and um and i know and and i know firsthand and, and from speaking to my my contemporaries i guess you can say in in angel investing and other forms of investment that you're constantly looking to build a pipeline but you need to find new innovative ways of filtering that pipeline right just like with anyone else you want to make it match your investment thesis you want to you know make sure you're getting the best types of founders with the best backgrounds and you know all that sort of stuff um and and so they're willing to do it but you just need to stand out right yeah. like you need to get that match as quickly as possible and if the if the person who is seeking investment is doing a lot of that heavy lifting for it for you like you said like you know i've looked at your profile as an investor i've seen what you've invested in before i've checked your interest da, 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 da. i've read your investment thesis or whatever it might be yeah. and so i think we're a good match that's like oh okay that's going to stand out from the thousands of just pitch decks and boilerplate template emails they get or you know linkedin messages they get every fucking month like that's right. going to stand out Good. so you know that's the important thing just don't waste people's time yeah. you know because the thing for me on it is i'm always i mean the phrase i use in my head is person of interest yeah that's what i'm look i mean you are a person of interest to me right then, exactly you know, that's what why are you interesting to me yeah no, that's that's the way but well, it's good to hear at least i'm on the right path As i would said, say so also ex ex experiment with with different ways or messaging in, in a sense like i think a lot of people are too eager to want to say everything about themselves and the business in the first contact and and yeah. just like in sales but you know you don't i always equate it to like the uh, being in a networking situation right if you're in a networking event you don't go straight up to people and go hi my name is greg mccallum i'm a commercial advisor and fractional cco last year we turned over this much that's that's fucking awful that's that's just pitch slapping someone yeah. 
you know you've got to you've got to start slow and and, and engage and, and you know not reveal too much and, and explore it over time and that's the same in sales outreach or in investment outreach in my view it's like, saying about um not doing it all in one so i'm doing mm. a three three email strategy and if i haven't got anything by the third fine so the first one is basically my sort of outreach and why i've identified them and i mm. give them thought a bit a little bit about the company and offer to share my one pager if I get something back from that, which I have and started conversations, um, then I start from that. But if I don't hear back, I'm still going to send my one pager. Mm. And then the next bit, I talk about the value in my sector that you can get when coming out of it, because I haven't mentioned exit values and PE ratios. I've got to try and give quantify it somehow. They're really right. healthy in my sector, actually, really healthy. Um, so then I talk about that. And then on the if I don't hear back from that, my third and final email I've got a nice little sort of commercial I made for ourselves and I send that and then I put a bit and I put another statement about what the company can achieve. So there are three, if they actually read, go, oh, it's him again. And then so there is a, there is a, a stream of, of information through the three emails and they're quite short, they're only, you know, two, three paragraphs at that. At most. Yeah. But that's, and then if I don't get anything back on the third, um, then I'm, I'm not going to keep pestering someone. But yeah. I get generally get more response to my third email than I do from my first email. Maybe make that your first email. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Save yourself a job. Lovely, <laughs> clear logic. I'm going to make a note of that. I was, I was thinking, God, I've got to reply to him after these three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe make that my maybe, first Maybe that's what it is. It's just whatever's what in there. The, well, the third one is you said where there's a video. Yes. Well, that's maybe why because people love video content like uh, that's what i was going to suggest i mean it's well there are two things that i always suggest there as well like is um you know a lot of that information can be had in the conversation and it would be better to give that context in the conversation for a lot of that you know the data points and stuff like that the exit strategy and so on a lot of these these outreach the best kind of outreach i've ever had is just hey i've uh, i you know come across your profile i noticed you've invested in x and y you seem like a really interesting person i would love to talk about how we can work together a friendly reminder to share this episode with your network subscribe for more and join the conversation in the comments it really helps us out Thank you. But more than anything, can we just jump on a call so I can pick your brains about this and see see if there's a good fit, right? Because I'm not asking for money in my first instance. Right, exactly. I'm but I'm, but what I'm saying is like, don't do it in any of them. Like yeah. then it's just the, the follow up I'm, email I'm is like for people to join me, and I will be looking for advice in the future. I mean, I'm selecting people that have skill sets. Right, you know, right. You've exactly. exited three times. You need to be on board with me because this will be good, and you've got an interesting consumer. Right. Like, along this journey we will be helpful to each other. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of my point. It's like the second email, in my view, and I'm not saying this is you know right or wrong. This is just what I would do and what mm -hmm. I probably will do for my company, um, is then say, well, the second email is just, I'm just checking that you got the last email. I would really love to jump on that meeting to to, to learn more about your previous exits and, and tell you a little bit more about what I'm doing and what my plans are. Third right. email is, I know I'm, I'm sorry to be a pain. I just really want to arrange that meeting. It's like, you know, there's no need to reveal any more information. It's just like we want to have a meeting, you know. And, and I think that's a mistake a lot of the time that is made in sales too, where it's like you information dump more and more because you think, well, they didn't respond because they don't have enough information to respond. It's like, no, the point, the point of the call is just, the point of the email is just to get on a call to discuss things. Yeah. So it's like, look, I know you're busy, but I, like, please, let's, let's just have a chat. Like, can I grab a, a coffee with you, you know, a virtual coffee or whatever? It's like, that's the point. And I think sometimes keeping it simple um, and to just like say, can we book a meeting and just drive it towards that 
is right. is the key and if and at the end of the day if they like go well you know i'd need to know a little bit more before we book a meeting then yeah okay give them a little bit more so yeah sure i, I totally understand here's the video here's a pitch deck um ideally a, a very summarized version of the pitch deck not the full thing um or, or not the pitch deck at all you know sometimes just a a, a brief like you said a video or like just some brief points yeah. of what it is you're doing and, and i've so, got all that stuff ready for whatever they want if they want more, right someone asked me for my my full pitch tech they're getting my full pitch deck right, right. The point in terms of well i want to talk you through it yeah you know, yeah busy yeah. i'm not i'm not i get that if you've asked for something and i've come to you i will give you but at the same want. time there's no harm in saying no Isn't actually that? no yeah. not really so like it, it's interesting because of you know if it depends how you say no right so if you were to say like if you just say I, I look i'd be happy to send it to you but to be completely honest i really prefer being able to have the opportunity to give you some context and also more importantly i want to know a bit more about you and i'm sure you want to know a bit more about me yep. and then if it feels appropriate after we've had a chat to go through the pitch deck i'd be more than happy to share it with you but you know is that okay and i think the vast majority of people respond fairly positively with that to be honest you yeah know? That's a good point because i have i had one person Asked for the long form deck, so I sent it to them, and then they ghosted me. And that's what usually happens. That that, that did rile me a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's what ordinarily happens, the vast right. majority of the time. So it's like you've got to withhold a little bit. You know, I, I feel like in these in these sort of things, and 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 keep it focused on just are we people that can get along? Yeah, I that's think that's I mean, the first point of call. You know, yeah. it's like I've identified you based on what I've learned about you online that you. You're clearly an interesting person and you could add a lot to this business and i would really like to explore that and yep. give you the opportunity to learn a bit more about me that's the first goal that's it it's like is there a fit both ways it's an yep. even playing field you know that there's no unbalance of power there and then yep. it's like okay well, so then we explore where it can go from there but like i would even say like a really good good tool for introductions and this works in sales too is um video prospecting so like you know uh things like vidyard and loom and stuff have you used any of those no, no i haven't but go on i do know loom <laughs> yeah so very soon i use vidyard but loom is a very similar thing it's just a chrome extension records your screen and it's a really good thing to send to investors um as an introduction so instead of uh email uh message it's a video message and a great way of doing that is to have like your your little video in the bottom you know like the way that your little video is now in the yeah. bottom of this and then the screen and then the screen you'll share like their linkedin profile or their website or whatever and just be like hey i you know uh whatever john i, ca I came across your profile um i've been reading through you know what you've been up to and you basically just do the same thing you know say the same same things um but just in that format you can quickly flash up your website maybe you know and say this is me this is what i do i'd how really long, love to how long you keep that too or short like, just, just a minute like not even that it's just yeah, it's just fine. a quick hello i mean basically you know a couple of sentences just you know this is me this is you like let's meet let's talk you know it's an introduction that's all it is you know in the same way that when you're in a networking situation you just meet people and you have make small talk and it's like we should talk more we should go for a coffee you know i think that's where people that you know make a mistake with with outbound in general is they're too keen to just you know do it all because if and you know it's time consuming so you know, i get it you want to you feel like you're being more efficient with time and your time but at the same time i think you can get a lot more done on a half an hour call or a one hour call than just back and forth with emails yeah. you know do you know what I was saying because on these extra four days, once I've done my five days work <laughs> that I've got, right. and then I, I look this weekend at sort of segmenting, segmenting some new data out, mm. um, and have have a go on that. Love that. 
Let's give it a go. I mean, like I said, it doesn't work for everyone, and I might be completely wrong. But to be honest, I think these days the connection between people is so much more important than anything yeah. else. And just getting people to meet you. Know. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, generally, I mean, because I'm an avatar, I'm, 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 I used to present a lot. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I mean, in theory, I mean, hopefully people agree when they listen to this, but like, I should be all right face to face. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Um, or, I'm, I, or I'm deluded, but like, you know, I should be able, I should be able to communicate with people. And I think yeah. that's one of my, I hope it's one of my skills. Um, I think it is. Yeah, I would agree. You're a good communicator. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on, on the podcast. So. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you wouldn't have done what you have done, you know, in your career, obviously, as well, which is an important thing to point out. But it's just, it's like, it's like everything. When I speak to founders, I think we're so, and I'm guilty of this too with my own businesses, but, we, you know, we, we overcomplicate things, you know, all the time. And it's like, people are just people. They just want to talk. And, and, and they love talking about themselves. Um, so if you can just get a, you know, play into that a little bit and be like, look, I want to learn a bit more about you. Like I'm looking for investors and, you know, and I think that that's quite refreshing to receive something like that, which is like, oh, he wants me to pitch to them, to him, like, you know, in a way like this is, this is refreshing. Like, you know, you fit the profile of the kind of investor that I'm looking for. I would love to pick your brains here more about your experience. Yeah, that's and that why I'm being on the first. I really, cause you've got to yeah. get on with these people. Right, exactly. And yeah, that, that's really. number one priority. And yeah. if you get on with them, they're far more likely to invest if they like you as a person, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? You've got to be able to get on with them. And yeah, I, you could have an hour long meeting with someone and not once show your pitch deck, not once talk about numbers, not once do anything. I know someone, for example, who, uh, who was on the podcast recently, actually, uh, Ewan Moran. Uh, lovely bloke. You should definitely watch that episode. And he talks briefly about um, a point where uh, one of the tips that he recommends is like, give everyone their five minutes. You're never too busy to give everyone their five minutes. And the reason why he said that is because if he said um, some of his early investors and some of the best investors he has are people he just met on the train. Right. Like people he just started chatting to. And it turns out they've got money <laughs> and they want to they want to invest in something. They're not on any list. Right. They're not they're not anywhere. They're not technically investors, but they want to invest in something or they've yeah. invested in other things. It's like just connecting with people. It's undervalued, you know. Yeah. So generally hugely. I'm pretty good on that. I know loads of, like in my neighborhood where I live. Yeah. I mean, I'm one of those people that, you know, chaps on the street. <laughs> um and yeah, I am yeah, I'm generally uh, one of those. One of those yeah, people. I'm one of those. I am one of those. Um, but it's great. I mean, mm. I was what because if you see people all the time, there's a woman that walks around her and she's got to whip it. Um, mm. And I was just like, but for, I mean, for years, she used to walk past me and just like, surely that's got to be really difficult not to sort of, <laughs> you know, you've got to be crazy spending more effort to ignore me. No, trust me, it's not. I, I do that, and it's not. I do. <laughs> oh, I made it my mission. Because I'm, 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 I'm thinking about a million different things as I'm walking, and and right. speaking to anyone around me is definitely not one of those things. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to become friends with you, and I'm, I'm going to get a conversation. We chat all the time now. Oh right. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a lady around here actually that I, I bump into all the time walking Merlin, and um, we know the name of each other's dogs. We don't know each other's names. Yeah. Oh, you always know the dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> always know the dog. You don't even recognize the owners. It's the, it's yeah, the, yeah. the dog. Is that, oh, it's you. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're yeah. attached to this dog. I just realized. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. And what you have to, what happens now for the how do your sort of week shape up generally? I mean, I explain mine in terms of like, you know, I'm sort of two and a half, two and a half, and then four days around. What do you yeah. 
What do you? How do you do it? I have no idea. Sort of nugget or something. Well, this this month's kind of crazy actually. It's a bit of an unusual month because I'm doing a lot of these um, recording sessions to you know, and then they're 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 all being scheduled obviously out a weekly on a weekly basis. So you know, a lot of these are going to be well. Th th these this will now this month's worth of recording of episodes will uh, schedule right up until February of next year. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh, you're really diving in and, and yeah, 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 yeah. Are you doing what? One of these a day? Two of these a day? Well, so today I've got three. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so today no, is I just thought... purely podcast recording. Like, my today. god! I mean, I thought I was like, I can chat, but like <laughs> you're going to be can talk. I'm <laughs> yeah, going to come talk. off this. Yeah, and, yeah. Like, when this, I'm going to go. God, I'm knackered. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You're going to do this three times. Three times, and uh, oh, I did two, two yesterday, and then Thursday's technically my my day off. Um, so oh, I try. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, um, but but that's that's jam packed as well now. Um, so yeah, so, so I wouldn't normally have this many uh, recording sessions in a month or in a week even. But and it will go back to sort of more like once, maybe twice a week max. Yeah. Um, but I just want to get a good head start on this yeah. season so there's plenty scheduled in until february and then that will allow me to focus back on other things to do with the businesses you know the consultancy work and and everything else um and you know i do need to i you know i've got i've got more capacity coming up for fractional work which i need to look into uh, you, yeah spin the plates so you can get money coming in while right exactly yeah 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 you know how it is you know yeah. so uh, and then of course you know yeah. like, you know same as you got the you know the, the start at the, the other startup that i want to yeah. spin up and you know, just got to get it all going. But uh, I, do, I do a lot of advisory work, a lot of pro bono work as well. Right. Um, so I yeah, I keep busy. Work. Oh, really? I love it. No, no, it just because of my advertising background and just being, right. you know, free, free, free. It's not much I admire about lawyers and solicitors, but the one thing I do admire is yes, let's have a meeting. You can have half an hour for free, and then <laughs> paying. Yeah, and I just yeah. remember my ad agency like, wow. We're going to work for a month and spend 25 grand on this pitch and we might not get it and they might not buy any agencies right, right. I mean, the system's just rubbish well that's it i mean for me you know the, i i was i've been thinking about doing pro bono work for a good couple of years and i just finally decided this year to do it and then i restructured my entire pricing and it's funny actually going back to what we're talking about pricing i've got a lot of criticism from this from the advisor and, and consultancy community and then a lot of support as well equally but um my the problem I was having, and I think we spoke about this before, the problem I was having with it was the amount of people I was speaking to who are very, very early stage, entrepreneurs and founders, don't have any money. And I could see that yep. they were extraordinarily passionate about this thing. And that passion's infectious. That's why I love doing what I do and speaking to people like you, because it's it's just so infectious. And I really want people to succeed. And I was just unable to help them. And, right. and, I, and, it, and I wasn't able to sleep at night. And I don't sleep at night very well anyway. So this was even worse. And it, yeah. it was just it made me feel incredibly guilty that, you know, I was speaking to these, these people who really wanted, all they needed was some very basic advice, it didn't need complex uh, information from me or anything. It was actually very simple for me, right, to, to give them this advice. And it was just like, should I be charging 200 pounds for a half an hour? You know, yeah. exploratory. No, I shouldn't. Like, I'll just, I just give it to them. See what happens. Adapt what I said, actually, because mm. um, when I said I don't do pro bono work, um, I'm thinking for people that can afford to pay. And right, exactly. Pay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm just like, no. I, to I am always up to help people. 
Uh, I'm right. totally, yeah, I'm totally with you. And on that's that. the thing, I'm not, but I'm not doing actually any real work. Let's be honest. I'm just having a conversation with them. Yeah. They tell me, I ask a load of questions. Right, I'm just sharing my knowledge. And look, you could argue, well, that's an hour taken away where I could be finding new clients or working on a client project or working on my own business. And there's that's certainly true. So it does cost me money in that sense. Yeah. But I just get so much out of it, you know, that it's so rewarding that I, I honestly don't mind. And look, it's not entirely selfish to you, uh, selfless too, because, of course, um, the vast majority of these people that I speak with, if they do manage to successfully go on to the next steps that we sort of lay out, um, and they 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 run it. They start running a fairly successful business, and they can afford my services. Well, then they will start using my services, right? Yeah. And and the, the the way I've made my pricing is that's why I'm known as the pay as you scale commercial advisor. It starts extraordinarily low, like so you can get in and have me once a month to just be a sounding board or whatever, um, really affordable. And and then it can go up, and then it scales up, obviously, and right. then it goes right. But then when we get into the realm of fractional uh, work, that's when it is more the traditional you know, yeah. billable hours, you know, kind of retainer and all that sort of thing. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm doing things a bit differently because I want to help as many people as possible. I just think there's too much bullshit out there, basically. Oh, yeah. On that note as well, because obviously people listen to your podcast. Um, Hopefully. All two of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, what, if one of you. <laughs> hello, hello, Jim and Jane. Thanks yeah. for listening. Um, if people are listening to this, because I do have a certain, I'm not selling services and I don't have much time because I'm a busy person. But you use the term sounding board. If yeah. someone's in a product space, if someone wants some thoughts on advertising and marketing, I am very happy for someone to DM me on LinkedIn. I'm not going to give you a week of my time. But yeah, if someone yeah. wants a conversation, said, you've been in advertising, you've launched a product, do you want it? Can, you, can I have a chat for half an hour? Do you know, just to have, go through some issue or whatever, mm. very happy that's wonderful yeah give, that, give time on that sort of stuff and that's really hugely valuable and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about you know in your journey as being a founder that you didn't realize so much about the startup space until you started to speak to people exactly and networking and like that's something that i say to everyone is the number one priority in starting their entrepreneurial journey go to networking events meet people be active on linkedin because you, the, the amount that you can learn in a six-month period is astounding by doing that compared to just trying to do it all on your own. And and, and taking people up on an offer like that is is definitely a huge yeah. step in the right direction. Just Because yeah. I, I mentioned earlier as well, Startup to Stand Up. Mm, yes. Uh, really friendly bunch of people. I mean, there is a monthly fee. But but the other thing, they don't. You can, you can contact them. They don't bring anyone on board. It's basically a cohort self-help group i don't even really know how to present it's an, an idea sharing platform we generally mm. have a conversation on a wednesday morning at 8 30 and there's one on tuesday um and um i think they select who they keep in but i normally hate anything that's like hey let's get together in a group and right, you know, right, right. chest beating exercise and yeah all yeah sinking by r and you know, yeah. fantastic and this is a general sharing and it's a mix of Big company owners, wealthy people, people starting out in a business, a startup. So when you have an, an issue in a business, they, they start with, like, you know, anyone got anything they'd like to float this morning? Someone will have a question. It's like having a board or an advisory team because you've mm. got all people from all different walks of life. So, you know, you might say, I've got a problem with this. Bam. You suddenly get people from different backgrounds giving you opinions. The advice is fantastic. Sometimes I'll sit silent for a week. 
Obviously, mm. I know you think that's hard to believe, but I, it, does, <laughs> it does happen. But if I've got something then to share with someone, I will share. Mm. You know, or if I've got questions to the group, I'll put it to the group. And then you come back to these founders. Everyone's really friendly. I've met some lovely people, like literally, mm. like I've Catherine Ann, who runs Docket. You know, I didn't really know, but like she's in. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Yes, you can. She's ace. Mm. Sharam, who's been running all bricks, brilliant person, really mm. helpful. Um, you know, that just you know, um, Kimberly, who's running ISIS Connect, um, really helpful people. And unless you actually go, hi, I'm I'm doing this, and like, can we have a? You know, founders are helpful to each other. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I really do believe that. And again, come back to what I said. I did, I wasn't even part of the founder community right. when I was setting this up. You know, mm. I wasn't part of it when I was in my advertising agency. So it's only in end of November that I discovered mm. this founderverse for one of yeah. the founderverse. That's good. I like founderverse. That. Yeah, you heard yeah. It here, coined by me. Yeah, yeah. Quickly trademarked <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, yeah, no, but it's a great place to be. It's not yeah. easy, but mm. we are all there for each other. We really yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, just to tie that back into the founder uh, to, to investment, uh, like the, the fundraising side of things too. I think that's a really important thing. You said, you know, just just ask people, right? For you know, for a bit of their time. That's basically the approach. I think it should be when it's yeah. in an outreach. It's just like, hey, can I have five minutes of your time? Oh, that's really all I want. Or the ones yeah. I've met are, you know, yeah. I mean, like. Kimberly Outreach, uh, ISO Connect, Kim, I, I was saying I'm just not good enough. I'm not about myself, but I don't, this is where you know about finding investors, you know, I said at the beginning about, and she's mm. like, no, what do you mean you're not good enough? I said, I want to be better. And I, I said, like, can you, because she completed a raise, and I'm just like, I get you might be really good at this, and I'm, <laughs> I, need, I seriously need to learn something. Yeah, can yeah. you help? She was like, let's talk tomorrow. She put an hour aside. Right, what's happening this? Let's have a chat. Gave me some constructs and like gave mm. some gave, gave me my confidence back because I've you know saying I've got that sort of I had problems to deal with. Yeah, yeah. it can be a bit of a knock. Yeah, great group of people. Mm -hmm. Another another really um, I think fairly strong piece of advice that I give people is when they're pitching. So so when you actually get to the pitching sta stage, either if you're on stage pitching or if you're in a boardroom, whatever it might be, but if you're actually pitching to to investors or or anything in general, really. I think it's so important to frame everything your 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 company and and your pitch in a narrative format. I think yeah. that's so important. In the same way that you've you know come on today and you've told me the story of you and the story of how Strolly came to be, like that is such a powerful way, and why I love doing this show of 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 explaining who you are, that you're the right person to for for, for this venture and that you're going to make it successful and why you started the business etc 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 like i think that's just so much more powerful than just this is let me introduce you to strolly these are the this is the data like that isn't memorable people don't work like that you know biologically i've talked about this at length before in other episodes you know like we, we are hardwired as human beings to be emotionally drawn and connected to stories with heroes and you know ups and downs and yep. that's why don't shy away from the hard hard points like that's actually well, riveting yeah my my low points as well yeah yeah absolutely because what that I, that makes people emotionally engaged in your your arc in your story because no one wants to see someone just succeed like that's boring when you watch that, a movie or read a book the hero has to have a low point before they to overcome you know hero. right exactly yeah you are the, the, it's the hero's journey right it's the archetypical yeah. hero journey because you know? what i hate about social media is everyone's too fucking positive 
Like, you <laughs> really can't. I mean, it's just, you know what I mean? Like, I'm doing yeah. so well. On LinkedIn, maybe. You clearly haven't spent very much time on Twitter or Reddit. <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I, I just, but I mean, you scroll through. I mean, I have I have got caught in the Zoom scroll a few times on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. And I see, and I follow a lot of people, and I look at a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. And it's just like, is everyone doing really, really well? Everyone's doing well. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's, well and everyone's happy. And yeah. no one's got any issues. What's going on with me? You know yeah. what I mean? I'm just, yeah. Well, it's because everyone's got a boss or a shareholder, right? So no one wants to be, you know, pulled up into the office. Like, why were you sharing that negative? Right. That's the problem. Interesting you say about boss or a shareholder. One of the things, so the last time I worked, when I say worked, I mean, I work all the time, but I mean, worked like on a pay AYE as a thing was, well, a long time ago, I might be 31 or something, 30. But one of the things that I do like about having this is that I don't like top-down pressure. I've realized. Mm. I mean, you're obviously going to have pressure from an investor. You've always got some kind of, but like when you had the boss, like, have you done this? And then looking at it, is that good enough? I do remember that back in the day, like to the board. And that mm. top-down pressure I found is worse than the pressure I give myself. Yeah. 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 I, think, I mean, you know, there is a lot of stress in like, you know, where's the money going to come from? Is this going to hold together? There's a lot of plates to spin. I think a lot of that comes down to just not knowing where you stand a lot of the time. Yeah. Right. There's ambiguity in knowing how you're perceived by other people. So, you know, did I do a good job? Okay. Yeah. I did, did a good job. Did, do they think I did a good job? Am I yeah. going to keep my job? Like, you know, it's the, this constant, you know, uncertainty as to where you, where, you know, where you stand with someone yeah. and, and how you're regarded by them that I think is the, the ultimate uh, anxiety driving force between. I think them. you're 100% right. You know, yeah. I'm 100% yeah. with you on that. Yeah. yeah. But whereas if it's just you, it's like, well, you know. And that's why it's so important with company, you know, setting up a company culture to try and be as clear as possible from the beginning. That what I say is what I think. So if I'm unhappy, I will tell you. If I if I if I appreciate what you did, I will tell you. And then that way you don't create that ambiguity in your employees and they they, they feel safe and relaxed and they can do their job. You know. It's interesting you mentioned about company culture and how it's set up. So at the moment, how I've set Strolly up, it's all on um I love freelance resource, but mm. never treat freelancers like freelancers. Right. Freelancers are your team are you know don't there's always a bit too many people who do dismissive of you know not i don't mean dismissive of their work but they don't get treated right i don't mm-hmm. think half the time i love a freelancer because one they get work they understand the commercial imperative because mm-hmm. they obviously need to get their job done you're it's a bit extreme to say you're only as good as your last job but they need to be doing a good In job some ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah and they're constantly focused on what their business is what they're doing you know, I always thought an in-house designer that works inside a client's house is not as good as a designer that works in an advertising agency and mm-hmm. working across a lot of different people's projects. Yeah. I like freelancers because they get it. When you're explaining a brief that you need to do, they get it and they run with it and they've got parameters. Mm-hmm. And that when I when I do grow, I will be taking on some employees, but I quite like the outsourcing model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get the right people and they're good. <clears throat> but I do I think I want to have it as quite a flat structure. Mm. you just need to be able to under because i don't want to be i don't want to be micromanaging people i'm not a micromanager mm. you know, here you are got any, if you've got questions for me you don't understand i will do all i can to help you mm. let's mm. get you up and running we can and then let's get but i want you to have be like a freelancer right that's mine right, i'll do that mm. we'll yeah. have to be in contact with each other to manage the process but i don't want someone i don't want to i'm not a boss yeah I run the company I'm not, I'm, I'm not a bad manager, but like, I don't really want to manage you, but let's 
keeping, you know, that is management, I suppose. I'm a very loose manager. It's about well, you, you end up, you're managing projects then and uh, and expectations as opposed to, you know, yep. really sort of cracking the whip, I suppose it's different. But yeah. that, that flat, that flat um, style is definitely increasingly popular in, in the startup world. You know, and, and and I've spoken length with various people on on this these this this series and and uh, you know in person about how I honestly believe that the future of businesses is, is this um, is this uh, agency based way of doing things where you know vast majority of departments and companies is going to be outsourced. Yeah, you know, over the next ten years, and you'll be very very rare to find a company that actually has any department so that that is all fully employed. That you'll have a sales department that's fully outsourced, a marketing department that's fully outsourced, a you know a financial department, HR, like all of it is going to be completely outsourced. And there may be a handful of full time employees, and they will be the executive team, probably. Right. And you know, and even then, a couple of the executives will probably be fractional. Um, right. You know, where you can have as a chief chief plate spinner. <laughs> right exactly yeah 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 but because because i know i know individuals that like myself who are fractional who have created agencies and they 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 have a whole team behind them so like in development for in fact the very first episode i recorded of this is with a um with a development um house in agency i should say in um london and they right. do exactly this where they embed themselves as a fractional cto in the company they own shares in the company and they have a team in their agency that takes care of all the development but they do way more than just provide development services they are the cto for the company and right. that's a great model for them for the business because of you know they, they as and when they need the service it goes up and down and it can flex and you know that sometimes there's a lot of development work sometimes there's not just like there's sometimes there's a lot of marketing work sometimes there's not and that's the biggest problem for most most businesses is trying to keep everyone busy yeah you know yes. and, and of course what you inevitably do is come up with projects that don't need to be done have meetings that don't need to be had just to justify everyone being on the fucking payroll and that's where you have problems and of course you, you then suddenly need to lay people off if there's a problem or like you know oh, things like that so, so I've whereas had, i've had to do a round of redundancies and it's just yeah oh it's horrendous i mean whereas really with this model it can, can it can expand and contract uh, yep. given the economic climate given you know whatever's going on in the business or, or in the economy uh to suit to suit the, the situation I, I so I, i'm a strong believer in that yeah i'm with it's, you on that yeah yeah but look i just realized the time um <laughs> we already yeah look at that, that I told, blown. told you it goes doesn't it it really there. does uh, sorry i think this has been good you enjoyed it oh good i'm glad i'm really glad you enjoyed it i, oh, I, love... I know if you've enjoyed it but if i get an invite back another time later on yeah well i was just about to say you took the words out of my mouth we should definitely do it again and, and yeah. this is a comment that i say this to everyone and i i honestly mean it um because you know that when the time flies especially which it does in all of these which is great like i haven't once been clock watching any any one of these so that's a good sign i've got some good, good guests um and yeah i definitely want a part two to hear the updates and what's yeah. been going on hopefully i've done it I've got the product. I've got my funding. I've launched properly in the UK, not a soft launch, a full launch. I've got extra product development already in market that's happening because on the next purchase, it's a big purchase with some of the other product tests. Right. Okay. So, like, you know, so I'm going to slot some other stuff in my containers that come over. Well, very, very briefly. What are some of the other products you're working on? Can you talk about them or? Am I even... Yeah. So um, basically, it's more bags of various de degrees. Um, for I mean, basically just. Yeah, shopping bags made out of canvas this time, quite stylishly right. done with bits of recycled metal that hang on them. It's another way of doing it. I mean, developing a product that's very small that wraps up and could go into a handbag. 
that oh, one didn't cool. work. That one didn't work. So I've okay. got to redo that. I've been. Oh, hang on. Give me two seconds. Yeah, yeah. Sure. People it. see this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's just discovered that now. <laughs> um, and then see if I can open. Here we go. Here's an example of failure, uh, which I haven't quite finished with yet. Right. So, oops, tripping over. Because I'm doing stuff with aluminium. Right. And it's not, so that's flat. I've got to work out how it folds and stuff. But in reality. Right. Oh. Very cool. Why is that a failure? That, well, it's not really, it's not the development, that doesn't lock properly. Okay. Uh, I want to work out how this connects, and I think I want to get another fold in it somehow. Right, um, right. Like, I think, because there's different types of people in the market. Some people, for example, say the weekend, because I've got various target audiences. I'm now going to start off again, but I've got various target audiences. <laughs> um, and like, say, for example, the target audience that sits in my sort of set, the 50-year-old, the destination shop, the farmer's market shop. I'm going out on Saturday morning and I'm going to do the, the glory cook. Just like I call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buying some cheeks. Yeah. So people will go, I'm going to use, and I've got some feedback on it. People quite like it. It's just not right in terms of the product. So I've got to work mm. further on it. But people will use that to go, I'm going to go down to Borough Market because you can carry it flat and then you can open it up. Mm. So, mm. When, so that wouldn't be used, for example, Oh, I'm just out and about and I need a bag. It's usually like I'm going out and I'm going to use that. It's a dedicated shop. Very That's intentional. What yeah. Shopping trot is for. Got some other bags that sort of over there in the corner that are right, they're recycled and all that sort of stuff. And they're good, but you can fold them up. Or when you leave your house, rather than picking up a bag in the supermarket, paying you 40p for it, you take that out and you go home. That's mm -hmm. what I use on my daily day. Um, so generally, Saturday mornings is my shopping trolley because when I go and my stuff for the weekend and my sort of oh, i need to pop to the shop it's just by the door i pick up a bag and it's also been a good like i've been using so my shopping trolley now is over what, it's a year and a half old mm. Who wants to see a product don't give them a new product they see what i've used mm. they can mm. see the wear and tear how that's come together so that for me is more important than what it looks like shiny brand new this yeah. one's been half old this one's been used for eight months do you know what i mean mm. so people yeah. get like right, you have done it well so yeah, so I'm not yeah. So so in a year's mm. time, hopefully have the funding, got the product launched, got UK sorted in terms of shopping trolley, tested some products, and then I'm pushing, starting my first push into Europe, which will be basically doing it like I've done, like a soft launch, like I've done in the UK, yeah. to find out the trouble of trading internationally, the things that I need to take into consideration. I haven't decided which market yet. It will be either Germany, Germany, France, or Italy. I'm leaving Spain off this one at the moment, even though they're a big shopping trolley user, because there is one brand called Rolza who are quite big in Spain, and they're made. Okay. So I'm not why. Well, I'm France not, feels like the logical choice, considering that's where you came up with the idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a. So then I want to, and then launch in a small one. Mm. My problem, and then second round, yeah, it will be then go launch in that market because what I want to get to is five decent European markets trading really well. Mm. Then you've got the rest of Europe to go, and America, and Australia. That makes me an attractive proposition to buy because not only have I demonstrated that it works, I can take it international. There is a huge market to go for. Now, whether mm. I take that myself and go massive on it, or someone buys me out, in terms of me buying out, I, I will stay with the. My my ambition is is an exit, get a wad of cash. But I also want to stay on with that business for another five years. 
or right. three. I don't I don't want to just go buy. Yeah, 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 yeah. To continue the growth of the business. So anyone that's buying the company from me would hopefully still want me. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to continue its journey, but I'd also like to get some reward. There are certain things I would like a large lump of cash. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's uh, that's the dream, right? But I think it's a sensible thing to stay on board, you know, at very least for a couple of years with any any exit, um, even if it is in a in a in a board position, just to 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 maintain a level of uh, or, or to reduce any kind of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, man, you know what I mean. Like there, there can be a, a bit of a turbulent uh, time. Uh, yeah, with that sort of change. So keep that vision alive while it embeds with the rest of the company. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, luggage brands, they don't have this sector. They're not targeting it. Yeah. So I can slot into another type of company, but I'm just give them a new sector. Mm. And then they can get their, because they'll have production lines and all that sort of stuff in their own way later on. So, mm. you know, but what's more, what's more effective? Rethink and get into a market or bring something in and then develop it. Bring mm. something in and develop it. Yeah. Well, look, we're definitely gonna have to catch up uh, again, and it'll work, and just keep me posted in general. I mean, we're connected oh. on LinkedIn and so on. We just keep chatting, and you know, I'll be following along the journey and cheering you on. And uh, and then, yeah, when the time feels right, we should uh, we should do another another session and and have a good old chin wag. I'm glad but, you uh, you all, you've invited me back, Gregory. Absolutely, thank you very much. I will be tapping you up on LinkedIn for an introduction if you know anyone. <laughs> no problem. I'll do my best. Thank you. You too. Bye. Take care. Have a good one. Bye bye. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.